Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 42. Exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use discount code THERINK, and you can head over there. They got some new collections coming out, I saw. Uh, one of them is, if you're a real extreme heavy metal guy or girl, uh, person, whatever your gender pronoun is, uh, you can get over there. They're going to be, uh, there's a cannibal corpse uh, line that I saw is coming out, and I believe they have three other lines as well. I, I don't have those off the top of my head, but I know at least that one. I said I did see Cannibal Corpse, which is a little extreme, extreme for my taste, but <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's puckhockey.com. Get over there, get your stuff. Um, so today is Wednesday, January 20 or January 16th, 2019. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> That's the joy of the Jeffrey, you see. It goes away, but then it comes back. <laughs> Those are my new clips. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, hey. What's happening? Hey, hey. Lock it up! <laughs> we, had, we had quite a day, but we'll talk about that later. We did. Also on the line... We have uh, someone uh, who you may all be very familiar with today, which is Aaron Goldschmidt. He's a very bad boy. <laughs> From smoky Denver, um, our boy Aaron Goldschmidt, our NCAA expert. Uh, he put out an article this morning, uh, and it, it seemed to have raised some eyebrows. So we're going to talk about that a little later. Uh, <clears throat> but together, all of us, are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hangout, the-rink.com. So, uh, before we get into the Aaron stuff, before we get into the fun and games, uh, today on the program we have Al Samaglia, who is the Blackhawks correspondent at NHL Network Radio. You hear him uh, probably with Boomer. He's on with Boomer a lot. Uh, we spent about almost an hour, just under an hour with him, talking Blackhawks, talking all kinds of good stuff, Al's a great guy. I respect the hell out of him. I know John does too. Um, we kind of talk about that a little bit, but uh, Al has got a lot of great insights and uh, he knows his Blackhawks and he knows his horses and he knows his real estate too. So uh, it's at Al Samaglia. Uh, see, uh, I will tag everything in, in the podcast episode. So before we and get in, very mellifluous speaking voice. Yeah. Mellifluous. Yeah. That, that's heard a, on NHL radio and now on the on the raincast. Yeah, and we're we're planning on probably having him on a little more often, if uh, if things work out properly, we're going to have him on hopefully yeah. more, maybe yeah, maybe more. Who knows? So, um, that being said, let's go. Uh, let's talk to Al for a little bit, and then we'll come back and we'll have the fun and games. So, take it away, Al. So you may have heard him on NHL Network Radio with Boomer. I know he, he goes on with Boomer a lot, but we have Al Samaglia, who has been a long time coming on the line. Uh, how you doing, Al? I'm doing well, and it's uh, great to be with you, Jeff, and uh, always good to talk with John as well. Well, we're we're really uh, glad to have you. Uh, you're, you're a guy who I've kind of looked up to. I've mentioned it before. I've kind of looked up to for a while since I started writing a while ago, but um, I really respect the stuff you do and love listening to you on uh, NHL Network Radio. And uh, you have a lot of great insight on the Blackhawks. You actually have a lot of great insight on the ponies, too. If anyone's interested in that, follow Al on Twitter. It's, That's uh, right. <laughs> at Al Samaglia. So. That's right. It's good stuff. Al, it's great to have you on. Uh, we had uh, 
Thank Justin you, Lowe, a.k.a. Tyler Cameron, on last week. So it's kind of uh, sort of a Hockey Bows reunion theme for the last couple of weeks. And uh, some of you may may not remember this is going back a ways, but Al was my predecessor at, at Hockey Buzz and uh, was uh, part of uh, my getting that gig there. And uh, we've we've maintained a great friendship over the years. And uh, like Jeff, I have tremendous respect for his work and his, his insights and points of view. And uh, we're going to have some good hockey discussion tonight. Yeah, it's hard hard to believe that uh started writing on there was about a dozen years ago and just a handful of people and you were one of them, John, that used to yeah. follow in, in the beginning. And uh before before I did it, they didn't have anyone covering the Blackhawks. So it uh things have changed a lot over the years for sure. It's been a nice yeah. ride watching watching things progress in many ways and now we're kinda on the downswing a little bit, but uh we'll see how <laughs> We'll see when things bottom out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at that lineup, you go from L to John to, to uh, you know, Tyler. I mean, that's a pretty good lineup there of three, three in a row right there. So they, yeah, they, he's doing a great job. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he sort of, uh, you know, I passed the baton to him at a time when the team was starting to take a downward turn. I, there was no, it's pure coincidence, but um, he's really done a nice job keeping the, the readership and the participation up and, uh, Brings it, he has a lot of great perspectives. So, um, yeah, I mean, those guys have been really lucky for, I think, well, maybe, maybe there's about a seven year window of, uh, not as good as the other two guys, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to see how that site really progressed too over the years, you know, yep. but, uh, yeah, it, I, you know, everything has to come together. And I mean, there was, when I did it, it was the real diehard diehards and there was a lot of, a lot of hate and a lot of angst, you know, and uh, it was interesting to see how things turned around and how the bar was raised and expectations were raised. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So um, talking a little more about the Blackhawks, I'm just going to rattle off some of where this, where the Blackhawks are at this point in time. Uh, they're 16, uh, 23 and nine. They have 41 points. They're tied for sixth in the central 28th overall in the NHL um, gold differential is I believe right around in the thirties again. Um, that's the one stat I didn't look up, but they're, uh, they've gotten a little better in the faceoff circle. Their PK has gone down, has actually dropped their percentage uh, on the PK, but their power play has gone up dramatically. Um, they're up to 20th in the league, which, you know, when they were down in the thirties, you know, uh, that was pretty bad. So it's taken it's taken a lot for them to get to where they are, but um, they've actually gone up a full percentage point. Uh, goals for 142, their 14th. Goals against, they're tied for last in the league with 178. Uh, and they give up 34.9, so almost 35 shots a game, which is tied for last in the league. And then uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the, the possession, they're like in the 20s to 25 range for Corsi and Fenwick. Their high danger save percentage, they actually dropped the last in the last week. Since the last time I looked at these stats, they dropped five spots, actually, from 5 to 10 uh, at 82% in high danger save percentage. And then um, their 5-on-5 five five save percentage uh, went down just a little bit, too, and they're down to 19th. So they're kind of coming right back down to earth. But, uh, I mean, what's your, what's your opinion, Al? What do, you th- what do you think about this team? <laughs> Where are they in real terms? What? Well, I mean, you said you said a mouthful with the goal with the gold differential. I mean, you know, as, as much as the the uh, the metrics have gotten better, the analytics to 
to look at and they're fun to look at. I mean, if you just take it down to two basic things, five-on-five play and goal differential, they're horrible. And, um, and, it, and it shows, you know. So they've had a little bit of an upswing. I think the goaltending was better for a bit and carried them and helped carry them, and, and the power play came alive. Uh, Delia's been, you know, he's been good. No complaints. He's been, actually, he's been very good. Last four games, he's a little bit coming back down to earth, maybe a little bit. But, I mean, it's true early to judge the kid. He's only played 10 NHL games. I think, uh, you know, a lot has been made of Gustafson on the power play, and, and I think he has some ability there, no doubt, to help them. But I think a, a big contributor, even though he might not get points, a big contributor has been uh, since they've gotten strong. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and I think I think there's been some some additions that have helped them, no doubt. Um uh, I really don't understand sometimes what they're trying to do on the ice as far as how they're trying to play. Uh, Colleton seems to be kind of hell-bent on the defensive side of the game, which obviously they, they need that, but their defensive <laughs> it's not working. is more shallow. It's, it, it's tough, you know, and I don't know. I, I think it's easier in today's game to teach, to teach a team how to play defense than to get them to score. And the Hawks are lacking in both ends. Uh, so, I don't know. You know, the Islanders last year, they were a lot of fun to watch. They scored a lot of goals. They stayed in the race, you know, with the made-for-TV point system. They stayed in it for quite a while. But their goal differential was always terrible. Now, this year, they've learned how to play defense. They're still, you know, they're, they're sitting in a good spot right now. And, but the difference between the Islanders and the Hawks, they've got eight players that are in double-digit goals. The Hawks have four. So the depth of scoring isn't there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a facade on this team that um, maybe the writers, it might not even be necessarily the league, but the right, a lot of the writers are writing about, like this Eric, the Eric Gust, the great Eric Gustafson. And it comes up, it seems to come up every week for us now, well, how, how good Eric Gustafson is and how valuable he is. And while, yeah, sure, he could score seven goals as a defenseman, which is nice, and five of those are on the power play, but he gives up more high-danger chances than any defenseman in the league. Uh, it's, it's hard to try to explain this to people when they want to just look at goals for, and they don't want to look, you know, De- any deeper than you know Eric Gustafson doing a swan in front of or a, or a flamingo in front of a shot and screening his own goalie and just being a nightmare in his own end. What is your uh, what is your opinion on the great Eric Gustafson? Well, I mean I'll go back to last year. I liked Gustafson more than Jan Ruda and Forsling, but in context, I thought last year. You know, the same people that are writing about how great Gustafson was, they had Forsling winning, you know, the Norris Trophy, uh, you know, (laughs) in in a number one pairing with Jan Ruda. So there seems to be an appetite always to cling on to someone and find a hero here and and, and to really bolster a, a young kid. And a lot of times, you know, I'm not saying it puts too much pressure on them, but the expectations aren't really, aren't substantiated, you know, at some point. Gustafson, I think the problem, the overall problem is there's no number one or number two defenseman on the team. Now, I'm saying this in regards to being a high-quality playoff team. Yeah. So on a, on, a, on a quality playoff team, Gustafson 
is a number five who plays the power play. Yeah. Or maybe a number four on some nights. You know, Gustafson is, I don't know what his top end will be, his abilities and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to guess and guess and try to figure that out. But right now, it seems like he, he's more of a more of a player like a, a Dougie Hamilton, who who a lot of people thought, wow, you know, he scored 50 points, scored 43 points. He was in the 40s again in 2017-2018. And now he's on Carolina, who's got a decent defense, and, and basically some nights he plays 18, 19 minutes, and some nights he plays 15. Uh, and he's not really – those aren't top-pairing minutes. So I think – it's a little bit unfair to Gustafson in, in the fact that he's on the ice for 23, 25 minutes. It's too much. The more you're on the ice, the more apt you are to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he makes enough mistakes, as, as we've said. So on a, on a different team where he could be spotted differently, I think, you know, he would, he would be able to, to basically hone his skills a little bit better. He wouldn't be out there against the, the toughest matchups. Um, I go back a long time and, and go back to the beginning of the ride. And what people forget is Brent Seabrook and, and uh, Duncan Keith, they were the foundation. They were here before Taves yep. and, and Kane. Yeah. And it took, it took really a, an incredible, you know, it was a lot of, how can I put it? It wasn't only natural athletic ability. They had to be two mentally tough players because mm-hmm. they played – a lot of minutes, and the team was horrible. And uh, Brent Seabrook basically had no time in the AHL. So once they got to be, once they got their legs under them, and it didn't crack them, which it does to a lot of younger players, especially younger goalies or, or, or defensemen who are put in positions to really have trouble with, you know, that are placed above their abilities at the time. Um, you know, you lose every night, you're on the ice for a lot of goals. It could be a bit much. Those guys withstood everything and, and turned out to be outstanding hockey players. Now, what will happen like with Augustafson? I don't know. Maybe he's the type of guy that shrugs off, you know, being on the ice for a lot of goals. Uh, he seems to be kind of, he strikes me as a player, and I, and I think Colleton made some comments the other day, you know, he and he was referring to he was referring to uh, Gustafson. Gustafson looks at himself as an offensive defenseman, plus plus I think. Okay, but mm-hmm. you know you you can't be on the ice for that many minutes if you give up so many chances. And 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 that's that's where what's going to be the catch twenty two with him. The longer he plays, the more apt he is to to make a mistake. Um, overall they don't have the passing from the back end for the most part. It doesn't steer their offense like it did years ago. They need to really concentrate on that in the off season. Uh, I think they have to find a couple of defensemen. I was surprised they started this year with what they had. I know there's young kids coming, but again, they're young kids. So I, I think they need to find someone that, uh, whether it's a more of a Jonathan type of player, uh, really two of those players if they could yep. find it somehow. Yeah. That's that's what they need because everyone would be slotted more accordingly. Like yep. this kid Dahlstrom, he looks pretty good, you know, yep. and, but but they kind of shelter him a little bit more. Whereas yep. Gustafson, he's on the ice too much. 
You know, Al, it's funny. Um, I've been saying this for weeks, at least the last last two or three weeks. They not only need one Nicholas Jalmerson, they really almost need two. And for exactly the reason you said, to slot guys properly, I also think that you can play a guy like Gustafson the kind of minutes you're playing him if you have a partner like a Jalmerson to anchor him and cover for him, not unlike, you know, what Jalmerson used to do for Brian Campbell. Um, right. They do. And, you know, Dahlstrom, yeah, there are aspects of his game. He's definitely more of a stay-at-home responsible guy. And he and Murphy had a good game, actually, the other night of all the defensemen. Um, they were actually in plus territory, um, you know, but I don't think I don't think that Dahlstrom is uh, at the same level or is going to be at the same level as Nicholas Jalmerson. But, you know, because you're right, all these young guys, they have come in. A, there's no guarantee that they're all going to pan out, number one. And number two, they're all really those very small puck rushing defensemen who the scouting on all of them is they're not really good in their zone. Um, and. It's, they they really need that guy who's going or or guys who are going to be uh, strong and reliable in their own end. And um, I don't I don't see anybody coming in the organization who fits that except maybe Dahlstrom. But I'm just not sure how good he's going to be. Right, right. And um, it's troubling sometimes when you have a lot of players that seem to be cut out of the same mold. Yeah. You know? uh, and and now they've gone to the extreme with. A lot of a lot of younger guys coming that are all defensemen, and even if even if three of them turn out to be very good NHL players, that works against you at some point also because you're not going to be able to keep them all. Right. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver here. And I know I, I guess a lot of people don't maybe maybe they don't have the same the same outlook that I do from the standpoint that. See, I think this this would be a profound mistake to waste this draft and this summer. And now's the time where you position yourself to be able to take advantage of what might be out there. Because, you know, we didn't really know. I mean, we saw good things coming. I saw Jonathan Taves in, in college, and I was excited. And, you know, they lucked into, by the grace of God, to get Patrick Kane, and then things fell together. But they had some good drafts before that, and a lot of young guys got good at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it can change rather quickly. And now what you're hoping is you almost need it to change rather quickly because you got a couple of your best players that are on the wrong side of 30 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, and, and it, that's why I think, you know, someone, a big name needs to go. And I think the easiest guy and, and, and the player that may say okay first would be Duncan Keith. Mm, I agree. Yeah, we both agree. We've been talking about that for probably a couple months now about that. So, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it's going to be – the other factor is going to, what's going to be interesting too, and, and, and they're going to have to have some conversations here because, uh, because of the state that they're in, is do, do these guys really want to stay? Um, right. I mean, they're very comfortable. You know, they, they're signed, they're hooked up to big contracts for a while. I mean, when you look at Duncan Keith, the one, the jeopardy would be that he would, he'd get traded and retire on something. Yeah. But, yep. you know, that's, that's the one thing. But if you look at the way his contract is structured, I think he goes three and a half, two and a half, two, one and a half. You know, you're going to get a, you, you get a, a guy who could be on a very good team 
could be a four or a three, you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe not always a three, but still. And he could add something to the mix and bring some experience. And you don't really have to pay him much. You got to be able to absorb the cap hit. So, you know, it's funny because now every rumor, uh, Toronto's gotten good and they have a very good team and they've got a lot to look forward to. But I don't know where they're going to get the money. You know, they, 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 they talk about Duncan Keith to the Leafs. I mean, he's still, what, a $5 million cap hit? 5.5. Um, yeah, 5.5. 5.5. And I mean, when you look at what, who they have to resign and everything else, um, if they resign Matthews and he's got to get, I would think 10, $11 million, they're almost, they're almost in the same situation. The Hawks were when they had, you know, $10 million to sign eight players or something. Um, there's not, a, there's not going to be much money left. So I don't know what they're going to do because they could paint themselves into a nice corner. If the NHL was different and it still may happen, I mean, if if anyone would, you know had a chance to be to really be a someone to go after and offer sheet him, you know, someone could go after offer Matthews and, and and get him really squeeze the Leafs because if they if they were to match, they got to get rid of some players. It would seem so. It's, it could, it's going to be an interesting summer all all the way around. And plus, the other dynamic you have working here is you have teams that have been, you know, in the last eight years, ten years, have been playoff bound teams, good teams, cup winning teams. And now they're, you know, they're not, they're not anywhere near where they were. Now who's going to be the first to really go and and, and start jettisoning some contracts. Is it going to be the Kings? Is it going to be the blues? Is it going to be the Hawks? You know, you could go down the list and then there's other teams that need to shake things up too. I mean, the ducks aren't, the ducks are not in good shape. You know, they're in, they're in bad shape besides the fact that they've lost, what is it, 14 in a row, 12 in a row. I don't even know what it is anymore. But um, they're another team that's saddled with, with heavy contracts and injury-prone players, and they're, and they're getting older. So it's going to be a lot of scrambling. That's why I would think if, if something were to happen, I wouldn't wait to the last minute to try to see what you could get for somebody that you want to, you know, you want to shed. I can't see the Hawks. I can't see why the Hawks would keep Anisimov. off. You know, if they could get someone to bite on him, he should go. Marcus Kruger's got to go. I mean, you know, as as much as he's been a good soldier and he, and, he, and he can play well at times now, I mean, for where the Hawks are at, this kid David Camp, he can't score a goal to save his life. But really, he's Marcus Kruger in the making. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of that mold. I don't see a reason to have both those guys on the roster. Kruger's a UFA. They're not going to re-sign him. So you would think he would go – uh, Anisimov should have been traded two years ago. He's another guy that you would think would go. So it's going to be interesting to see what Stan Bow does because uh, he's not going to be the only one out there trying to make deals and, and to remodel his, remodel his club. My understanding is the Blues have already made it known they're open for business. So, yeah, I mean, Al, you're exactly right. I mean, we, we keep saying this, and we get a lot of pushback on, on Twitter over this. You know, if, if if now is the time to restock, and by restock, meaning you know move move a couple of these bigger contracts if you can, while some of these guys still have some value. Um, and as much as you know, people you know want to want to run down Keith, I still think at the deadline, a team looking for a veteran defenseman with his experience, you'll get a decent return for him. And the kind of return you'll get for him could be pieces that it could be very important in a rebuild. Um, Anisimov. 
I, w- I would move him for whatever you can get. You're just getting rid of that cap hit and a guy who basically is a third-line left wing at this point. And then, um, yeah, and Kruger, you know, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and he may have some value to somebody, some kind of value. Maybe, you know, maybe it's nothing more than like a fifth or sixth-round pick. But he's not really doing anything for the Hawks, this, you know, at this point in terms of, L, you know, moving the franchise forward. And that's what the thinking's got to be about. I mean, I, the argument we keep getting back from people on Twitter is, but you're going to you're going to lose this or you're going to lose that from the existing team. But the problem is the existing team stinks. It's not going anywhere. And without some some fairly significant changes and some and a much a much greater and, and broader infusion of talent, um, you can expect more of the same because there's holes all the, all around this roster and all, throughout the organization. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, the big one I was on yeah, before he got hurt was I thought maybe if he could stay healthy and there was a team out there that needed it for the playoff run, maybe Corey Crawford could be. He only had a year and a half left on his contract, but then he goes and gets hurt, which completely throws that off the books. But uh, I was the same as far as Keith goes, too. Yeah, and, you know, what I think what people fail to miss here, too, is there's there's no role players in Rockford. And there's no top end talent, right? So we, so you know, if the Hawks had other like this kid Camp, he's a one dimensional pretty much, but he, at least he understands how to play. They're, they don't have players that could come up and seamlessly go into the lineup that they're not exposed after a couple of games, and, and so that's an issue. So that's your overall depth. The 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 difference here now compared to other teams is. You know, Jonathan Taves, he's, ha- he's having a great year. And, you know, on bad teams, someone has to score. And I know people will say, well, you know, you're, you're putting him down. No, not at all. He's having a great year. What I would be looking at is you want to keep Kane and Taves for a number of different reasons. Patrick Kane, anybody could be traded, but unless you got a, t- you know, he wouldn't go to a team that, like, let, let's say he wouldn't go to the Oilers. A team no. where you could maybe get some 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 very good draft picks and, and maybe some other players out of their system. So, I, I'm thinking that you hope he doesn't get any serious injuries. He's in great shape. It seems like you might get another three years productivity out of him. Maybe even a little bit more. Taves the same way. So mm-hmm. okay, anchor yourself with those two. This kid to bring it. I mean, he has hands. He's got vision. He finds the soft spots. And he's miscast. He's not a third line player on this team. Right. I mean, you know, and, and, and the coach makes remarks about, well, you know, he has to be, you know, play at both ends, this and that. And yeah, that's all well and good. But, you know, the other guys that don't score any goals should be playing at both ends. So I don't understand sometimes, and it gets back to Colleton, and I'm not, I'm not really on him or, or criticizing. He's in a tough spot. He seems like a sharp guy. He's pretty candid. Um, like the other night, they were playing Vegas. Strom doesn't play the last eight, nine minutes of the game. He uses Kruger there. Now, okay, you're, the chances <laughs> of you making the playoffs are about the same as me when Mr. Universe next year. Okay, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right, so why wouldn't you let a kid that hasn't even played a, a full season in the NHL, why wouldn't you put him in a position to learn at least in a tight game? Because 
I don't see I don't see twelve other forwards on the team better than Dylan Stroll. So my point is putting Kruger in there trying to win that game, trying to shut a team down, you're really not good enough to play that way. And that's the one problem I think I have when I watch them. They're not good enough to win three to two or two to one. No. They're just not. If Kari Crawford was on top of his game with a 935 save percentage, they're not good enough to do that to get into the playoffs. But yet he seems to be he seems to be leaning that way. But there's a bigger picture here that you know, and there's a bigger game plan that we're not privy to. And I don't know how much Colleton really has in his control. I think, you know, they switched coaches. They had a guy who basically couldn't be told what to do because he had all the street cred and he was he had the rep. I mean, uh, they go and trade for the best center in hockey, one of the top three face-off men in hockey, and get Antoine Vermette, and, and Quenville plays him on wing. Doesn't take any face-offs. And healthy he scratch. Whatever he yeah. Yeah. He, you know, and he did whatever he wanted to do. Well, now they got a young kid that they could kind of they could kind of say, hey, you know, we want you to go in this direction or that direction. So I, I guess that's the one thing that bothers me. I mean, you have guys, you have guys that are NHL players and could give you a lot. And he seems, he seems to be trying to make him into something that they're not because he's looking to win a game. And, um, you know, I, if, if I were a fan or the way I look at it is I'd like to see him finish, you know, with 70 points uh, and, yeah. and take a shot and, and, and hope to get lucky and get one of those first two guys in the draft. Yep. Yeah, Al, we're with you 100%. Yeah, this is yeah. what we've been saying for months now. Uh, we would, I mean, from the from the start of the season, it was like, I, I don't believe that this team is going to do anything better than they did last year. In fact, I think they're going to be much worse, and that's exactly what they've turned out to be. Uh, minus a couple of hot streaks here or there, they could, they could be dead last by a long shot if it wasn't for, you know, a couple of, like a hot streak over Christmas when everyone was thinking about the holidays. But that all came back down to earth again, so... Yeah, we're going to see. I, I think we'll know a lot by the end of next month. The schedule for next month, it's not extremely difficult when you look at who they have on paper, but that's the dog days. If you go on, you go on a, a slide in February. You know they they play they play Vancouver, they play uh, Edmonton, they play Detroit, they play Ottawa. You know they've got some reprieves in here for sure, but. If they if they step in it in February, and and go on a slide, there's no telling where that could take them. And you know, God forbid, one of the big you know something happens to Kane or Taves, or even Duncan Keith at this point, uh, or Strom, for example, a player that they don't really have anyone to go that really fills that kind of role. Uh, who knows what to do with the puck when he has it? Um, you just don't know what could happen. I would just hope that they don't. They don't finish in the high 70s or 80 points or something like that, and and, and really miss an opportunity to, to get someone someone who could be a, a real franchise changing player in the draft. Yeah, that, I, I I can't even expand anymore on that because that's the same stuff we've been saying as well. Uh, we completely agree on on all points as far as that goes. So lately, the, the the Blackhawks they've you know been making moves. Um, they've been shedding mistakes, but they've also been kind of bringing in these players. It's it's just this weird 
profile of player, like these former first round draft picks or uh, like a Jula. He was basically a highly rated, you know, uh, free agent coming out of college. What do you make of this? It's just you just think it's it's the you know uh, the contracts are expiring, so they'll be they'll come off the books anyway, kind of thing. Or do you think they're really going to try and reclaim these players and see if you can kickstart them? I, well, if you go back to um, when Talon was was the GM, just before they got good, um, they did the same thing. You know, they went and they took a chance on a, a few players here or there. You know, supposedly Stan Bowman liked Kajula. They tried to sign him originally out of college. Um, you know, they probably look and then it, it gets back to my point that you don't have those role players in in the farm. You know, they don't have anyone that they could say, well, you know, let's get, let's give this kid 20 games and bring him up. You know, they, they don't have anyone down there, evidently. Uh, they don't bring anyone up. So, and, and it certainly isn't because uh, – they're overladen with talent, or they're on they're on a, an incredible run. So I think they're they're looking to kind of catch lightning in the bottle. Maybe they could turn someone. I what I had heard, and it was pretty good intel, was uh, and and actually actually it did come out. Stan Bowman said it himself in, a, in an athletic article, and I tweeted it that day. That kid was having a pretty good year before Hitchcock got there, and they're you know they got a lot of problems obviously yeah. in in Edmonton, and from what I was told by someone that should know there was nothing that kid could do that Hitchcock really liked. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a lot of respect for Hitchcock as a coach and, you know, he, he knows the game and he'd be a hell of a guy, you know, to, to have, to be an analyst. And I mean, he, he really could talk the game, but the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, I think he's like, he's like a lot of coaches, you know, especially those that are set in their ways. If, if someone just is not, is rubbing them the wrong way for whatever reason, you know, he's on the wrong side of Hitchcock and, and that's basically what it, what it turned into. So, you know, they took a shot and, and, and tried to acquire him. And, um, it, it, that, that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. What'll bother me is if they don't make, try to make a move at the trade deadline, or if they just sit on their hands more or less and, you know, uh, come free agency or before then to trade anyone and, and just hope this is all going to magically get better because, this isn't like a one-off, you know, no. the last few years haven't been good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're, I mean, this is, well, it's great because you're, you're confirming all the things that we've been saying. <laughs> yeah. And we're just idiots. So we're, we just got lucky on that one. <laughs> what's the, what's the push? What's the pushback? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I pay attention a little bit on Twitter, but you know, between riding the horses and doing other things, I, I I'm not engaged with it. Like you guys are. What's the pushback that I think they're not that bad prosperity is, is right around the corner. Um, and you know, the, the, I think a lot of people are afraid of the, um, the unknown in a rebuild, you know? Um, yeah, it's funny. We, I won't, I won't tip the, the hand on it too much, but you know, a lot of what we see it in terms of people's personnel suggestions on social media is, Hey, bring back, and then insert X Hawks name here. You know, it's, it's, it's a fear of the unknown out there or a fear of, of Bowman making those bigger moves and really shaking up the roster. And then, you know, people fall back on that. Well, it was just one or two moves and, and we're right back in it. We're going to be, we're going to be a, a, an elite team again. And, and unfortunately the, the statements of Bowman and McDonough don't help. Um, you know, when they let, uh, when they let Quinville go and hired Carlton, 
they made the statement, we, we think it's the coaching, not the players, that's the problem. Um, and the you know subsequent performance has shown that perhaps, no, it was not necessarily a coaching change that was going to really change the trajectory of the team, that, that there's some serious problems with the players. Now, you know, I, I personally, I think Colleton got a, a bad hand dealt to him. And I, I do think he was hired in large part, or in part at least, because, um, you know, John McDonough and definitely likes to, you know, he likes team players. He likes corporate players. He likes guys who are going to, you know, play within his guardrails in, you know, in terms of coaches and general managers. And um, you're right. Um, Quenville basically had the chops and the juice to do what he wanted to do. And, um, um, so I, I think that's why Colton's here. Now, does that mean Colton's a bad coach? No, it doesn't mean that, but, um, but there's, there seems to be this optimism and this almost longing for the past that a lot of fans have that, that is just, it's not going to come back and it's not going to change. And, and the only way you're going to get back to that level of elite play is you're going to have to really turn over this roster to a large extent. Maybe not completely. Maybe you can build around Taves and Kane. Um, but a lot of people are unwilling to accept that. Um, you know, and the, the thinking is, well, trade Seabrook. Well, nobody's going to give you crap for Seabrook with his contract, you know, or trade Anisimov, okay, but you might only get a third-round pickback. I mean, it's the problem is there's just not a lot of realistic willingness to bite the bullet and do a real rebuild. Yeah, well, when McDonough said that it's a remodel and he thought it was a playoff team, he would, it would have been better, a lot better for him to really not be there that day. But I know that's not something he's, he's got to be front and center because, I mean, he really showed, he really showed, you know, that his hockey knowledge is right. suspect. I mean, and right. let's face it, he's gotten it, he saw what he saw firsthand in the last 10 years or so. That's a once in a lifetime. Right. You know, three cups in that short of a span. Yeah, uh, you know, Hall of Fame players on a team. I mean, now I, I, you know, I'd like to see, you know, I'd love to see three more cups in my lifetime from here on out. And even yep. then, that would be something to see, you know, from right. the standpoint that they're it's certainly not easy to come by. And it, and it seems like, you know, the teams the teams that really went on a run and won multiple cups, they had they had one common thread. They they were able to draft two Hall of Fame players, mm-hmm. the Kings, Crosby, yeah, Dowdy, Kopitar, yeah, and, and then there was still and then there were players underneath. The Hawks had Seabrook and Ta- and and Keith there to start, and then you get Taves and Kane. So right. it it's you know that's not easy to come by. Now the thing about it is. If I'm looking at and I hear some so well, you UFAs, well, yeah, there's there's some there's some. Now, if I'm looking and I wanted to really take a swing and spend ten or eleven million dollars and get a player that's just starting his prime, you know, I'd go take a swing at Mark Stone. Now hmm. it's, a, it's a shit show in Ottawa, and they're they're probably not going to keep both both uh, both the Shane and and Stone and. I, from what people are saying, they're more pointed to keep Stone, but for the Hawks to do that, and that's a franchise, that's a centerpiece player. That's that's someone you could build around. He's you know he's a big guy. He does everything real well. 
you know, over a point a game player right now, but he's already at seven mil plus. So to get him, you're going to have to give 10 million, you know, maybe a little bit more. Now, how are you going to be able to do that unless you were able to get rid of four or five or six or seven million dollars before that? So that's the part, you know, and you can't just all of a sudden flip a switch and that money just disappears. You got to, it, it takes, it, it's like for like a Nisimov. You got to hope you find someone de- desperate that needs that center that thinks they're one player away, who wants someone that could play some defense, a bigger body, and you would just hope that they give you whatever so that you could get out of that four million dollars. And Duncan Keith, you know, I think you could get some value for Duncan Keith because he'll still play. He could still play eighteen to twenty-two minutes a night for someone, even if even if he just played a little bit of special teams and even if he was a, a three-four. So I, I think you could get something for him. But I'd be looking at the money that you could get out of now to take a swing at a, at, a, at a UFA and then hope that by some way, somehow, you could get one of those first two guys in the draft. And, and beside them, there's other players underneath that, that, that would be very good too. And I, and I don't know enough about them all individually, just judging what they're saying about this draft. But those top two players could be generational players. Um, right. I mean, that kid uh, – the Capo Caco or whatever, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, he's playing with men and, and right. he looks, he looked the part. I saw him on the world, world juniors, you know, uh, Jack Hughes. He, he looks the way he skates. He reminds me of Mike Madonna. Yeah. Um, but you know, there seems to be some opportunity here because you're going to have to try to set yourself up for the next few years and hope if you keep Taves and Kane that, their performance doesn't drop off the edge of the table, but you need multiple players here. You, you need a lot of help, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive they'll be to take some stuff forward. Because if they're only going to wait for these young defensemen to come and think it's enough to change the club, it's not. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Anaheim had a plethora of young defensemen. You know, other teams have had young defensemen. You need more than that, and, and the Hawks have multiple holes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, well, the last thing here um, that we haven't really talked about much, we kind of touched on it just a little bit. And before we get, you know, finish up with Al here, the goaltending, uh, Corey Crawford's out with the, uh, the concussion, who knows, he may never be back. Um, and Colin Delia, we talked about him a little bit earlier. That's my boy, Colin Delia. Uh, he's been playing well, but he's coming back down to earth a little bit, which of course he's going to, because he, there was no way he was going to maintain where he was at. Cam Ward's doing okay. What do you think of the goaltending situation? I mean, I, I I don't even see that, like, you know, next summer there's a whole lot of goalies that they could bring in. There's only the really high end and the and the really low end. There doesn't seem to be too much in the middle. So what do you think about that, Al? Well, you know, and then again, the high end, that's, that's a – see, they're stuck there. I mean, they've been fortunate – to always find in the last 10 years, whether it was Antiniemi or whoever it was, they always seem to find a cheap goaltender as far as contract value who was who they could rely on. And now, you know, Colin Delia. Now, Colin Delia has played, what, 10 NHL games? Roughly, so, yeah. Yeah, so it, 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 it's it's a very small sample. I would think, and I'm pretty sure of this, but 
you know, other people want him to play every game. I think they have to be very careful, and they really have to shelter him. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his save percentage, his save percentage is still very good, uh, 932. I mean, but you look at the last four games, he's like at about a 3.5 goals against in games he started. And, and you know, I see, I see a lot of good things, and I also see, you know, he's gotten lucky multiple times where there have been in games where teams have hit, you know, the post two, three, four times and things like that. And then that's not, that's not, you know, talking down about his performance at all. He's done real well. He's been tossed in here and, you know, he's still a young kid, very young, really for a goaltender. I would really watch though. I would shelter this guy. I'd pick my spots with him. They're not just going to have Cam Ward sit there and have, you know, have this kid play, uh, uh, 80% of the games. I don't think so. I think that would be not a good recipe. As far as next year, they're stuck. I mean, you know, they're stuck from the standpoint that Corey Crawford, you know, you don't want him to retire. Uh, and that leaves you in a position where, you know, if I were him, I think you got to make a commitment in this regard. You're susceptible, and you and you undergone some serious concussions. Mm-hmm. If if it matters more to play hockey than what the future might hold because of the the brain trauma that you're that you that you've already gotten and that which you would be susceptible to, well then then he's got to just wait till he's ready because everyone is different. He may be ready in two weeks. He could be ready in six months or whatever, and then he comes back. But if you're going to come back, if I'm if I'm Corey Crawford, I'm not coming back if I'm quitting at the next concussion, because yeah. you're going to get another concussion. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? It's like you got to be. It's 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 sad to say, but it's like you got to be in in for a penny, in for a pound. So I don't know what what he's going to do, um, but they have to have an answer there, and, and the retiring part doesn't work. So the long term IR would work. Uh, and then they go, and then they could go out and you know find another goaltender for three million dollars or something again, and and keep him with Delian, and hopefully you know maybe two years from now, Delia's really got got the, his game together, and maybe even next year, and and see how he is after he's paid 50, 60 NHL games, and see what he looks like, and maybe they maybe they get lucky again. Yeah, I can't argue with that either. <laughs> that was actually I was hoping uh, when Crawford went down that you know I understand why they brought him up. You know, they, there's a waiver situation and all that, and uh, and I understand why they did bring him up. But I was kind of hoping they were going to keep him in Rockford and just kind of let him ride it out and be the man the entire season down there. And because the t- this team wasn't going to be good anyway, uh, and and they've already seemed to have soured on Anton Forsberg. So I just was figuring bring up Forsberg. You already fed him to the Wolves last year. I already ruined his head last year. Just let him come up, split time with Ward, and kind of shield Delia. And maybe you could bring up Delia for a couple games here or there just to see what you got in the NHL. But there's really no, I mean, it really didn't prove anything. Even if he goes out there with that save percentage, they give up 35 shots a game. I mean, the, the, the simple math just tells you they're going to get outscored most nights. So uh, it was kind of a no-win yeah. situation for him. But if they wanted to bring him in and try him out, try him out, that's fine. But, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with you about, uh, you know, sheltering them, let Ward, uh, you know, have more or at least a healthy portion of the starts because uh, you don't need Ward next year. You might need Delia next year. No, you, and yeah, right. I, I mean, it, it's 
the goaltending position, it's very tough to determine. I mean, you look at a guy like Pascal LeClaire a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you go from winning the Vezina to being an afterthought two years later. Uh, you know, Scott Darling. You know, yeah. He, I, and I mean, he might be broken. You know, he may be done. Um, it, it's too bad if that's the case, but that that happens. I mean, it's just goaltending. Goaltenders, it, it's just they're a different breed altogether. So, I mean, who knows? You know, we'll, we'll see how how this kid is. I like the fact though that he doesn't seem to blush. You know, he's, he seems to be he, he's in there. He's been kind of thrown to the wolves. He he looks the part for the most part. Eh, yeah, I mean, better rebound control. Yeah, I mean, most goaltenders, you know, could have better rebound control. And when you're getting blasted with shots from every which way, um, you know, that stands to reason. But maybe they get lucky again. You know, they've been fortunate with goaltenders, and 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 maybe and maybe they get lucky with him. The, the Corey Crawford thing's a sad situation, though. I I don't know what direction he will go. I have no clue. Uh, and I think that really it might be in the best interest of the Blackhawks, not that they're pushing them one way or the other, not implying that at all. If he just, if he just sits out, you know, uh, you know, maybe he misses all the next year. Who knows? Uh, because like I say, if you're going to subject yourself to the risks that, that could be coming down the road, you almost, it seems to me, you you almost have to make a commitment and say, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. This is what I love to do. I'll face the ramifications later. You know, I'm going to be here. If I, I'm not going to be, come back, wait six months, or, or sit out the rest of the year and come back next year and then catch a knee to the head mm-hmm. and get another concussion. And then, you know what I'm saying? It, it would be better if he just somehow walked away. Um, well, that's the thing. At, at this point... At this point, it's it's a choice between playing another maybe half a year, maybe a year, and being disabled, seriously disabled, the rest of your life, and possibly taking years off your life. Um, that's where yeah. he's at, and uh, you're yeah. right. It's it's it almost makes no sense at this point for him to come back, because I mean he came back for what? What was it? Four weeks. And, you know, he, he takes a shot to the head and now he's out again and he's got he's back, at, you know, in the concussion protocol. And, um, you know, concussions don't heal up. That's not how they work. And uh, oh, it's not like a broken bone. It's not like, OK, now right, you're stronger. You know? Right. It's, right. I, you guys, I don't know if you listen to NHL radio much, but Matthew Barnaby, sometimes he's a trip and a half to listen to. But, you know, he says he doesn't know how many concussions he's had. But it's in the right. teens. But but you know he said, and he said in, 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 in matter of fact, you know sometimes it's two or three days, sometimes right. it's two or three weeks, sometimes right. it's two or three months. Right. You know no one really knows. I mean, look at look at Brent Seabrook. What a what a you know horse he is. He gets clobbered. It's like you know it's like he caught a bad cold. He's back in three days. Right. Other guys, you know that might have been three months. Right. You just don't know. It's it's just a shame, you know. It's just a shame that it, it worked out for him the way it, the way it has. And I don't, I couldn't. I mean, I I wouldn't blame him. No matter what he does, it, it's his decision. You know, as much as I think it's probably dumb to come back, if that's what he really wants to do and he's willing to face the risk, you know, God bless him. Uh, and and if he wanted to walk away in the same regard, 
I would never, I would never question that. I mean, he's a young guy. He just had his first kid. Uh, right. A lot of years to live, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I feel exactly the same way. Plus he only, I mean, if you dial it back a little bit, he's only got one more year left on his contract after this year. So like he could sit out on LTIR next year and then they'd be done with him, and that would be it. So it's not the end of the world. Um, but you know, at this point in time, we don't even know that he was necessarily the goalie or even close to the goalie. He was before he got hurt, uh, because he started off pretty well, but then he started tailing off really quickly again. And he wasn't playing any better than Cam Ward was, or at this point, you know, Colin. No, so it wasn't. Yeah. He, yeah. I know. You know, at some point I think you get beleaguered, you know, uh, before you know it, you're losing by two or three goals. And when you're on a team, you know, there's a common thread. The bad teams can't score. And when you're on a team that can't score, really, you know, you get down by a couple of goals, no matter how good you are in net, you know, the, the results are, are pretty much the same. And that's got to be very discouraging, very discouraging for a goaltender. So, I don't know, he, he looked he looked a little beleaguered. And, and, and that's why I say this kid, he seemed, Delia seems to have a future, way too early to say for sure. But I would just hope, you know, you don't get him abused, you know, because yeah, right. don't there's him. nothing worth playing for this year that would, that would make any sense in that regard. It, it they're just, they're just, it, it, there isn't. So, right. you know, you're right. Crawford's got one more year next year. Uh, you, you can't trade him. You can't do anything. Uh, really, unless someone wanted the money on their books for whatever reason, a la Mar- Marion Hosa. Um, so, you know, you just play it out, and if he wants to come back and take another swing, he comes back and take another swing, and maybe you go with Delia and, and you find you find someone else that could be adequate and, and, and let this thing mature a little bit. But, I mean, you want to give – you want to give the players something to play for. You, you want to try You want to get into the playoffs because you can't get that kind of experience from a book. You know, you just, you need to, you need to be able to try to get there as soon as possible because the other factor is, is you don't want, you don't want Kane and Taves and to, to, to age away on you and, and not be able to take, take a little bit of a run with them again. So I, I mean, they're in, they're not in an easy spot, but I just think that as it turned out this year, They've got an opportunity, and I'm not saying that you go and tank the rest of the year and you lose on purpose, but if they make a trade or two that would weaken them, it puts them in a position to finish, you know, finishing the bottom three teams, and you got to swing at a at a big time player. And if I were a fan, that that would be what I was hope would hope yeah. for, because then at least you'd have some fun watching them, you know. Yeah. As it is now, it's it, it's. It, it's tough to watch, you know, and my wife goes, and, and, and I don't know what it is. I guess I saw when they, I saw the whole ride and now I want to see exactly how this bottoms out or what's going to happen. So I keep watching. I watch every minute, yep. but I'm, you know, I'm in the minority. My wife goes, what are you doing? They're losing again. I says, yeah, I know, you know, and <laughs> I, I keep watching. <laughs> you, you know, you just wonder, you just wonder like when, when the, uh, the sell-off streak, although that could be kind of manipulated yeah, when that's right. going to go too, and and that becomes a problem for them also. I guess I guess the Kings their their sell-out streak ended this year, um, so a lot of stuff a lot of stuff in the wind here. It'll be be interesting to see how it sorts itself out. 
That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Well, Al, I want to, we, we both want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We'd like to do it a little more often. Uh, we, you know, we really liked it, what you had to say and uh, you bring a good insight. And uh, so again, it's Al Samaglia on Twitter. Uh, it's easy enough to follow or easy enough to uh, follow. We're going to retweet all the stuff and uh, tag you in all the things. So you're aware of it all, but uh, thanks. Thanks again, Al, for coming on with us and we'll uh, have you on again. Oh, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you guys take care. Thanks. And, uh, remember, always, remember, always have thick skin when you give. Always have thick skin when you're going to give an, you know, give your own opinion. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. You guys take care. Thanks a lot. Right, Thanks, bud. Wow, great. That was great. Al, uh, Al's awesome to listen to on the radio, and he's, he was even better when he, we gave him a little bit more time to talk. Uh, we talked about a lot of good things, and. Um, I don't like patting ourselves on the back too much, but uh, I, I think uh, we all agree and have been saying kind of the same things for a while, right, John? Yeah, it's it's really. I mean, I've always respected his points of view, and uh, yeah, he. I mean, he he's a smart guy, you know, and he understands that hockey's a business, but he also understands hockey, and um, so I, I um, yeah, I, I'm. It's it, it was really great to hear that, and and to uh, to to know that there's at least someone out there who sees things the way we're seeing it this year. And I know there's more than just Al, but um, certainly his credibility is uh, is really valuable. Yeah, for sure. I, I I really enjoy having him on. He he's really easy to talk to, and uh, he's got a lot of great you know insight. So that's uh, I always like listening to him when you when him and Block would get on together and do the Third Man In podcast. I always loved listening to that because I I listen to Al and Chris. Those are, yep. I, I know I, you know, fanboy out about both of them, but I could listen to them talk forever because, yep. you know, they're they're intelligent people. They've got great yep. insight and it, it makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. So, shifting gears a little bit, we do have AA Ron. Hi, Aaron. What's up, boys? There he is. AA Ron. <laughs> You know, I you know I can't go on without playing your clips, right? Where is AA Ron right now? <laughs> but I, we're not going to come down on you hard. We're not going to we're not going to get your blood pressure up just yet. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, John, John put out a tweet this week uh, or yesterday, not this week is more of yesterday. Um, basically, said you might be a meatball if and it's just finished this sentence. The best will be read on air. Do you have so. uh, some selected? I do. I without it. So there were many good responses, and this is going to become, I think, a weekly feature, if not a almost weekly feature. I like it. It's just too much fun, and and it, it gets people, you know, it gets the listeners involved, and uh, and the, the responses are just some of them are priceless. They're all good, but some of them are really good. So I'm going to do about three or four of them here. So this one comes from uh, at Skybone four hundred four. You might be a meatball if. You want to bring back Scott Darling and have him hit somebody with Cody Parkey. <laughs> uh, I got to get a little note at the end. Hey, makes about as much sense as most meatball hot takes. Yes, indeed. Um, our buddies uh, talking Hawks from out uh, out Aaron's way in the in the Rockies. John you might get meatball if you bought a Chevy because hey, it's what Kane and Taves drive. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, there's another one here that I got to do. This one's just, this one's just for gate. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find it here. There it is. This one comes from hostile Derek, Derek Harms. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you might be a meatball. If your name is getting hostile. <laughs> Words are bullshit. 
They're just useless sounds that we make with our stupid mouths. <laughs> Uh, but the the the, uh, the big winner tonight on this one is comes from our buddy Frank Nova, also known as Ad Hockey Night, future Ringcast guest. We will oh, have him definitely. On. We gotta have him on. He's been on the you, shoutcast. He's you, awesome. Go ahead. Absolutely. You might be a meatball if every personnel change you suggest contains the phrase "bring back X Hawk." Insert name here. Nailed it. <laughs> Actually, so, Fork actually he nailed a couple of them. He nailed something about the, he nailed uh, something else on the uh, the Facebook page. Just uh, I think it was today. I think it was actually on Aaron's article that uh, he 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 nailed something. I got I got to go back and find it, but um, he's been he, on fire lately. He has. I I love Frank too. He's awesome. I mean that's uh, yeah, another. He's, he's one of the funniest dudes in in the uh, in the Hawk blogosphere, if not the funniest. He's one of the nicest guys too. Yeah, he's great. Frank he's great. and Frank and CT are two of the nicest guys. They really, really do. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you could dress them down, uh, you know, all you wanted, and they just come back and like kill you with kindness. They're they're so they're nice. They're really nice people. I really yeah. like them both. Um. So yeah, that's it's. We bash things a lot. We get blamed for being negative, but I want to you know give some positive out there of the people that you know we like and we respect, like Block and Samaglia and Forklift and CT and you know uh, Scotty Powers. There, you know. there are others. Yeah, there are others. Oh, and I do. I, I don't think I mentioned it last week. That did I mention? I don't know if I did or not, but I'm going to mention it again. But uh, I want to thank Scott Powers for giving me a shout out in their uh, in his last. Uh, uh, one of his articles at the uh, the Athletic gave me a shout out because I helped design or I did design their logo for their new podcast. Even though you know, hey, I had, uh, my boy Laz, I don't you know, I don't necessarily always agree with Laz, right? Man, no, you don't. Freaking yeah, delusional. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> so I, I I was wrong on that one, <laughs> but I got to be you know I, I I had to be nice to him. I saw an opportunity. I had an idea. For, I had heard them talking about they needed a, a logo for their name. I had an idea. I just put it together, threw it to them, and said, hey, if you want this, you know, because uh, I'm not as bad as I'm uh, per- portrayed to be on the Internet. <laughs> so, but anyway, well, you got any more of those? Uh, any no, of those? We'll, just, we'll go with those for tonight and uh, okay. start thinking about what the next uh, Twitter question of the week is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I... Want to? We kind of talked about Delia a little bit with Alison Maglia, but uh, he was mentioned in uh, Thirty One Thoughts today. Uh, Elliot Friedman's Thirty One Thoughts about you know how he's his path to the NHL. I mean, of, of course, it's a short quip, but for uh, you know for being what it is, Thirty One Thoughts is one of the most read uh, you know articles that comes out weekly. So um, th- you know that's that was pretty cool to see. Hmm. Um. We talked about the Gus controversy with. Uh, with Elsa Maglia. Um, we did see uh, this week um, Slater Cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Uh, made his, uh, his Blackhawks debut. Uh, he actually stuck with the team. Uh, they sent Brandon Davidson down. So Cuckoo played last game and he actually took over the ice time that uh, Eric Gustafson didn't get in the third period. Eric Gustafson was benched for the entire third period while Slater Cuckoo got seven seven minutes of ice time just in the third period alone. You know, can I, not to open the whole Gustafson chestnut again, but 
You know, I thought that Colton's comments um, about benching Gustafson in the third period, they're, they're very illustrative. They're very illuminating. If you, if you really dissect them and, and think it through, um, you know, Colton is the guy who said, you know, Gustafson has the opportunity to be a really special defenseman. It, it's up to him. Um, and you know, he's, he's now sat him a couple of times. He's been a healthy scratch a couple of times. So this is Colton trying to send him a message. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this for the people who keep coming back with, well, you know, Gus just needs some coaching. He needs to be coached up <laughs> at 27. I yeah. Think, I don't think that's what it is. I, I think what it is, is he knows Gustafson's been around. Gustafson has been coached. He was coached over in Sweden, which, which per capita produces the most NHL defenseman of any country on the planet. Um, he, you know, he's he's been coached by Joel Quenville, who's an NHL defenseman, and he was coached by Alf Samuelson, who was an NHL defenseman, and he was coached by Mike Kitchen, who I believe played defense in the NHL. I mean, I, I mean, he's been coached and coached and coached. I, I think it, it's at some point it's no longer coaching. It's how much how much do you want to work in your end? And in the zones other than the offensive zone to be a complete defenseman, how much do you want it? And, you know, I don't think desires desire is a difficult thing to coach. I think Colleton, what Colleton is doing is he's trying to send a message and get through the guy's head that, you know, his ice time is going to be reduced and maybe he'll play his way out of Chicago if he doesn't start taking it seriously and putting that effort in, in all three zones. Um, I don't think that there's some magic, um, uh, protocol they're going to put him through that's going to suddenly make him a, a complete two-way defenseman. I, I, I think it, it's it's all about him. And the bottom line is that he is 26, 27 years old. He does have a golden opportunity. They're giving him every opportunity. Um, so, but let's stop with this. We got to give him two more years of coaching. That's ridiculous. No, it's, yeah. it's not what it is at this point. So you got to coach a guy till he's 30 now. That's that. That's what the the the. the... That's what because he has never us. been coached to this point, apparently, you know, <laughs> going by that logic. So um, that's all I have to say on Gustafson this week. But, guys, let's let's start to look at this realistically and understand for all of his offensive ability, he's a detriment defensively. And it, it, it can be argued that it at least negates what he does offensively if it's if it does not weigh it. Well, yeah, uh, two points on that. Uh, the first one, I was going to bring up this comparison on Twitter, but I knew it got blown way out of proportion. But look at what's going on with Brandon Perry, right? Guy who's been up and down in the NHL, questionable, blah, blah, blah. But he always scored goals. He always scored goals. Like, that's that's something that you can't always just get goals in the NHL. Like, there's a certain brand of player that scores goals. And he scored a lot of goals in the NHL. But he could never get a solid job in the NHL. He's always in the AHL. He's always bum slaying in the AHL, leading the AHL in scoring, doing all this stuff. Why isn't any team taking a real chance on him? Like they'd bring him up in an emergency situation, but they were never bringing him up in like in camp and like really giving him an honest chance. There's something behind that. And I kind of liken that to kind of what the Gustafson thing was like. He's had chances. He played a lot of games in the NHL like that first year they signed him out of Sweden. And then he kind of disappeared. And and, right. and he just got buried in you know in Rockford, and he was playing behind you know Clendenning uh, and and whoever last year, and and uh, Franzen last year and stuff. And it's like when you get to be twenty seven, twenty eight years old, like maybe you just are what you are. 
like with Brandon Perry. Like, even though he's scoring, like, it's an insane pace with, with Vegas, he still keeps, they keep sending him down, and they're playing these games with the, bringing him up and sending him down, and bringing him up and sending him down in an emergency, you know, situation. Like, if he's a guy who's really a, a solid NHL goal scorer, all or at least semi-all-around player, like, you're going to keep him in the NHL because he can score goals. And you can't just tell a guy, go score goals. Like, that's a natural ability. Right. So it's kind of the same thing with, but but I would have had to get into it on Twitter, which, getting it onto it on Twitter, which Aaron so well knows today, that getting into it on Twitter, you get a lot of people who misread things and misunderstand things or don't read, you know, whatever the case. So that's what I didn't want to get into with that part of it. But, um... I know. Oh, and the other thing is his goals. He's like, he's got eight, what, seven goals, eight goals. Five of them are on the power play. He's getting fed by, you know, Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett and Jonathan Taves being out there. Like, this is stuff that, like, if Duncan Keith could get his head out of his ass on the power play, he could have probably pulled this off too. He just doesn't. You know, right. he, he's, he's like stuck in some old pattern and he's 35 years old and that's what he's going to be. But, you know, there's some pretty good players that are feeding him these power play goals. You take those power play goals away, and he's down to like two or three, and he's back to a, just a normal, you know, uh, uh, four, five, six defenseman like Al talked about earlier. And uh, you know, I think someone's got to score, even on a bad team. Someone's got to score. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily a great player because you put them on a great team where there's better players around them. They may not have the same kind of production, and that's kind of what, what you know, you kind of had that with Scott Darling a little bit. Uh, you, now you're ha- we're having this with Eric Gustafson. You like you got to peel back the layers, and, you know, there's a facade and a mask on this guy that they're trying to sell you something that's not really there. They dress it up. They put a little they, – they're basically putting makeup on a pig. So that, that that's my whole thing about the Gustafson thing. I don't care. I mean, like, if they were to keep him around at a reasonable rate and he played third pair and they just used him on the power play – Great. And we've said that. That's fine. But to say that he's a top pairing defenseman, he's not. And we'll go back to Laz. Man, this guy's freaking delusional. I mean, he said that he's he's a top three defenseman, you know, legit top three defenseman. Like, have you watched this guy play defense? He literally, I looked this up on an advanced stats site. He literally gives up more high danger chances in close in by the crease than any defenseman in the NHL. Well, I'm going to try to find a, a very telling statistic here. I'm doing a little poking around right now. And, and you can you can like or not like advanced stats. I don't care. It, it just it tells where the shots are coming from. The shots are coming from in close. He's giving up a lot of shots in close, which in turn is going to give up a lot of goals. And on top of it, you know, I pointed out the one game he, he played the Flamingo and, uh, you know, screened Calendelia, but on top of that, he was in the wrong position in the first place. And we have the apologists out there. Oh, you know, Dylan Strom shouldn't have chased a guy in the corner. Well, if Eric Gustafson didn't turn that puck over in the first place, the rest of the team would have been scrambling, which is what ended up happening. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get negative. You know, I don't like no, being you, negative. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And I'll just, I'll just throw this out because this is, this is another really silly thing that's been out there. People saying about Gustafson. You know, the people have been making a that he's a, an Eric Carlson type of defense. Oh, my God. I'm glad no one said that to me. I would flip my lid. Well, and here. So just just for the for the sake of, of a reality check here, Corsi Ford, 
Eric Carlson, 59.8%. Eric Gustafson, 50.9%. Okay, so you can you can make the argument, well, Gustafson is at least over, you know, over, isn't underwater in, in Corsi. Great. Um, but, you know, because it, 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 clearly he's a really good offensive player and he contributes a lot offensively and he's on the power play a lot. Um, but the bottom line is he's, you know, his, it, there is just what we said before that, you know, his defense is so bad, it kind of evens it out. Um, but he's not in the same league as, as Eric Carlson. So let's just put that to bet. It's not, not even, even close. close. No. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. and he's almost the same age, you know? Yeah. They're like I mean, a year so, apart or two, a year, yeah, year and a half right. apart. Cause isn't Carlson like 29, 30? Uh, no, Carl, Eric Carlson's 28. I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Aaron, you want to add anything in on this, uh, this Gustafson thing before we get, before we move on to the big news at hand? Yeah. You know, the Gustafson thing for me is really tough. Um, it's, it's like for every amazing, uh, nice power play goal that he gets, he's just caught, um, you know, getting flat footed, just getting burned, brutally burned, um, in all different ways, you know, getting inside, outside, and it's just like, I don't think this guy even knows how to block a shot. I mean, he's he's using trying using his his skate like he's putting That's one bizarre. foot in, one yeah. foot out. That's willingness and desire. You know, blocking shots is not that pucky. I mean, I just I don't really get it. I, I guess the last time we've had somebody like him that was just very purely offensive minded and skating was like maybe Nick Letty, but I don't remember Nick Letty being this bad on defense. He wasn't. Um, but yeah, I just, I think on a lot of other teams, they would have already seen enough from Gustafson. I mean, the guy's job is to play defense and he's, he's really bad at that. Yeah. Well, and then, and then you get the, the, the goofballs that are like, well, just put a wing like it's that easy. There's like two players that have been able to do that really successfully. And that was Dustin Bufflin and Brent Burns, but those guys are freaks. Those, yeah. those guys are big, and, and they're big too. They're freaks. Like yeah. you can't just throw a guy at wing. It's not. This is not a video game where you just throw guys all over the ice. It's a big deal. And I brought this up somewhere the other day. It's a big deal when guy plays his offside. Well, much less a, no, a completely different position. You play Gustus in a wing, and you know he's going to get he's going to get manhandled and neutralized by the, you know the bigger, better defenseman um, because it's going to be the same thing and it's going to be his willingness to compete physically. Um, uh, so I, you know, he's a talented player. I mean, he's, and he, he probably, you know, um, intellectually and skills wise could probably be relatively effective as a wing. But again, he's going to, he's going to break your heart because I, I think the issue is it's not coaching. It's, it's, you know, how much he wants, wants to excel in certain situations and in certain aspects of the game. And, and, um, he hasn't shown that willingness yet. It's it's not coaching at this point. If he was if he was twenty, I would say yeah. But he's twenty six. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's move on. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> this is the 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 big uh, the big thing of the day. There he is, Aaron. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm going to give a little bit of a background on this. So last night in a in a private chat, uh, which we often throw th- just throw things around, trade scenarios, ideas, 
hey, this might work. Maybe the Hawks could, you know, it's that whole kind of thing. It's just speculation, nothing nothing behind it. But, you know, Aaron comes up with uh, uh, an, uh, uh, a trade scenario, possibly for Patrick Kane, something you have for Patrick Kane. Now, really, the Blackhawks should be open for, open for business at this point in time. We'll kind of get into this a little bit more. But um, we're not saying that yet, you know, we want Patrick Kane out the door tomorrow. Just a possibility if someone was to throw an offer at Stan Bowman, maybe what would be something reasonable based on, you know, what your familiarity, familiarity, oh, I'm going to trip over that word, familiarity with the players. So, and, you know, Aaron, you're very familiar with, uh, you know, the Avalanche because you live there. So you're familiar with other teams too, but you know, you are familiar with the avalanche. So you threw this, threw together this trade scenario and it was with the avalanche. And basically what it would do is it would help them or at least your intention was it would help them. It would help the Blackhawks. So what was your proposal? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to preface this conversation with, I did not think that I would get as much backlash on this as I did from both sides <laughs> um my phone was just blowing up all day and I'm happy that you know we kind of stirred up the conversation and we just learned that these fan both of these fan bases are very passionate about their players and their prospects um and it's it's not just about uh you know a player that's on paper it's not just about um you know, it's not just business to them. It's the the team that they've invested in for a long time. And there's a lot of history there between both teams. So I understand why people were passionate about it. And a lot of people came after me. I, I didn't take it personally, but, you know, I was welping, welcoming of the feedback. So thanks to everybody who, who read it, even though they might have thought that I was absurd for even proposing it. But um, so, yeah, I, I essentially proposed a deal for Patrick Kane. Um, that would send him, Eric Gustafson, and a draft pick uh, to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for the Ottawa lottery pick, uh, if it is a lottery pick. So if Ottawa finishes um, you know, still at the bottom of the league and they get the number one overall pick in this year's draft or the number two pick, um, plus the 20, what is it? 2017 number four overall pick, which is Kalen McCarr, who's currently at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, uh, very talented young defenseman, um, as well as Tyson Berry. And and Tyson Berry, Berry was really just a, a defenseman who a lot of the Avs fans like because he provides a lot of offense like Gustafson, but he's also had a lot of trouble de- defensively. And the reason why I picked him is because he's a he's a large cap hit for the next two year or I think this year and next year he's got about five and a half million dollars on his cap hit and Eric Johnson makes six million but I really think that they like him a little bit more than Barry he wears a A on his sweater and um, I think he's just more of a leader for that defensive group um, but yeah so my intentions were that you know bottom line for the Blackhawks where are the Hawks going right now. Um, you know, they have a, they have a player that's going to be a heart trophy candidate, uh, in Patrick Kane, that's going to score, you know, some projected somewhere around a hundred points this year. And he's, he's dominating the league right now. He's, he's a top player, um, on one of the worst teams in, in the league. And it's like, 
Are we wasting this guy's potential? Can we sell high um, on Patrick Kane, knowing that this is a long-term move? This isn't like, okay, we can just have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, and and build around them. Because that's been the plan that um, John McDonough and Stan Bowman have put forth. And they've been feeding everyone with, oh, well, it's just going to take a couple years to rebuild. And it just seems like that plan is, continues to go south every single year so at what point do we say maybe these are the wrong people in the front office to to turn this team around and maybe this is the wrong plan uh and we say you know what let's cut our losses let's get some high high end prospects we're talking jack hughes um kale mccarr and then in two years we might be back in in competing. And I think a lot of, I mentioned in the article, a lot of people in Chicago would be okay with that. We've seen other teams do it, um, and we've seen this team do it. So on, on the Avalanche side, they are essentially, they're like a bubble team. You know, they, they have really good young talent. Uh, their books look great. Joe Sackick's been really patient about building through the draft. Um, and getting really high-end talent. And with this Ottawa pick and their pick this year in the first round, I mean, they're just they're doing it the right way. And I think that them losing out in the first round, um, you know, what's going to push them through? And I think it's going to be a superstar-type player. And if they have the ability to add somebody like Patrick Kane to their lineup with you know, just swapping out Eric Gustafson for Tyson Berry and not having to give up anybody like... Gabe Landeskog or Miko Ranton, and you're adding a top five player to your team. I think you instantly become a contender in the Central Division and in the Western Conference. And you have Patrick Kane for another four years. Um, you're going to add a lot of wins. You're going to you're going to go deeper in the playoffs, and you're going to compete for a Stanley Cup without really taking anything away from your core. So that's those are my intentions with this article. And you guys can kind of just discuss what what came out of this, this article because it was a lot more than just that. Well, it one thing that I found, and we're kind of in a slight bubble here with the Blackhawks. You know, like we we deal with the Blackhawks fan base. We sent kind of, you know every once in a while we see you know little things blow up outside of the black you know in the rest of the NHL. But we just see a lot of what happens with the Blackhawks. And we, you know, like, oh, geez, you know, they're delusional. They're stuck with the past. They think of every prospect is, you know, the next Bobby Orr and, and or the next Wayne Gretzky and this and that. And, you know, and I, and I, what, what we found out was that maybe that's not just the Chicago fan base, that uh, the Colorado's fan base is, is the same way in the fact that they're in love with their, you know, young potential in the future kind of thing. But what they what they don't know, and I'm sure that a lot of them, uh, you know, are younger fans and things like that, and don't remember when the the Avalanche won cups because it was a long time ago. But what we know here in Chicago is like you have a window, and you have to maximize that window, and may you know if you have a window where Landeskog and McKinnon and uh, uh, Rantanen and like all these players are starting to gel like the Blackhawks in 2009. Yeah. You have to maximize that window by putting it over the edge. And John, you mentioned this on Twitter with the Marion Hosa thing. While Brian Campbell helped the Blackhawks, that Marion Hosa thing put them over the edge. 
And Patrick Kane might be at this point in his career better than Marion Hosa was at that point in his career. Yeah. I mean, they're completely different types of players. Um, they both play right wing, but in terms of the style, oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the profile, just different types of players. I mean, Hosa was that power forward, two way, you know, great defensive forward, more, you know, more of a scorer, a little less of a setup guy where, where Kane is maybe a bit more of a setup guy and still a great scorer. But, um, you know, um, and, and, you know, Hosa just had that off the charts leadership, you know, and presence in the dressing room and, and, you know, credibility what, that he brought in and work ethic, all those things. Um, and he was the right guy at the right time. And absolutely, he was, he was, I'm not saying they wouldn't have won the cup without him, but I, I, he played a big part in winning that first cup and then the other two as well. And, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, for somebody to come to come out and say, well, you know, adding a Patrick Kane doesn't make any sense for this team. He's aging. He is at the top of his game. And if you think whether you're the Colorado avalanche or you're the Toronto Maple Leafs or even the Buffalo Sabres, if you think that, you know, adding a, a, you know, elite scoring right wing, super creative, who could make makes the other plays around him better, um, could could get you to the Stanley Cup finals. Then that's a move you got to think about if you've got the cap space and, and you know, the, the, the ability to take on the salary for the next few years. I'm not saying that th- they should do it or that the Hawks should trade Kane. But this whole idea that Kane is untradeable, he's a great player. There's no question about it. But he's by the time this team is contending again, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. He's gonna be 33 years old. Because you know what? There's this team is not gonna be appreciably better next year. This this fantasy that's being pushed of all these defensemen who are currently playing in junior or in college are gonna come in and and, and change the defense next year. None of whom supposedly are very good defensively. They're all that that you know offensive style defensemen. It's just it's 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 crazy. It's it's lunacy. It's not going to happen. And Al said it as well. Um, well, well, yeah, so- and, and 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 sure, uh, Boquist could be very good. Ian Mitchell could be very good, and Bowden could be very good. But they're not going to come in the rookie year, no. coming right out of junior or college, and make this team that much better. They're going to make their mistakes. Well, they're going to have to and learn. Might, and some of these guys may not make the team next year. Some of these guys may be in Rockford. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for anybody. Um, it, it could be the best thing for their development because pro hockey is a significant jump from junior. And I know, I know. What about Yoki Haru? Hey, absolutely. But you know what? There are also guys who really struggle to make that transition as well. And defense is the hardest position to learn at the pro level. The hardest. It, that tra- transition is harder for defensemen than any other position. So, um, again, I, it, by the time this team is competitive again, assuming some things go right, Patrick Kane's going to be 32, 33 years old. So I, Aaron's, Aaron's point of view and the premise of his article is actually from a business standpoint. And I don't mean Rocky selling tickets this year like everybody. All these people complaining about that are, are in Rocky's will. You're not. Um, you know, the, the bottom line is in terms of rebuilding this team to – to the to to the stand to the point where they can compete second third round in the playoffs go to the Stanley Cup finals win a Stanley Cup um you know you're going to you've got you've got to make some big moves and one of those big moves may be moving a significant piece and getting a lot of really quality futures in return cuz there's still a lot of holes in this team even if all those young defensemen 
mature because they, they all play a similar style of game and, and there are other needs on this team and in this organization. Yeah. Well, and two, you know, Aaron's kind of, uh, you, you know, your idea was, you know, try to get as high, you know, high up in the draft, try to get Jack Hughes or something like that, Capo Caco or, or something like that. That's a, that's a player that's going to have to, you know, that's going to, they're going to have to learn too. They may show up in the NHL, the rookie year. That doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, translate right away. Uh, Kako's yeah. a, a little bit bigger. Jack Hughes is a smaller, you know, Patrick Kane type player. If he could play like a Patrick Kane, sure, that's all good and well, but that's, there's no slam dunk that these guys step in and do anything. You have a proven commodity in Patrick Kane. Probably, I shouldn't even have to say probably, the best U.S. born NHL player ever. And he's 30 years old. Maybe they think that he's 35 because he's seen. He seems like he's been in the league forever because he has been for, since he was 18, but he's really only 30 years old. He's hitting his stride. He's playing no. at an MVP pace, dragging a bunch of turds on his back. And he just day in, day out, he performs and he scores and he's, you know, a rink rat and he stays in good shape and whatever you think of his personality. And I don't like his personality or anything off the rink. I, I don't glorify it, but on the rink, you cannot deny what he is on that rink. And to say that a team doesn't need him is just pure lunacy. Like any team needs a Patrick Kane on their team. You may have some other good players on there, but a Patrick Kane is certainly not going to hinder your team any. So to think that, you know, McKinnon's young, uh, Landis is, you know, in his mid getting in his later twenties. Now, um, you know, Eric Johnson's 30, their defense is a little bit on the, at least the top end is a little bit on the older side, but you have Miko Rantanen who's 22. Like there's only going to be a window for so long. That window does not stay open forever to think that what happened with the Blackhawks can happen with every team because they were able to spread out their cups over, you know, what a six year period or whatever it was. Um, you know, and the, the Kings did too. the Pittsburgh did a couple, but that's not the regular thing. I mean, that's not going to happen. They, you basically had three teams dominating the NHL for a decade. And to, to assume that that's going to happen with this core in, in, in Colorado, you can't just assume that. Like, they're assuming a lot of things in Toronto. In Toronto, it's not really going the way they're hoping, you know. There's still a lot of things up in the air. They're, 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 they're getting to that window where, and we talked about this with Al a little bit, we're getting to that window where it's like, can you, can you, can you afford Marner? Can you afford Matthews? Can you afford like all these guys? And they're going to have to start dumping talent because they had to sign these kids and skip bridge deals and all that stuff. This is what's going to happen in Colorado in the near future. I mean, you've got McKinnon pretty much dialed in at one of the better deals in the NHL, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Landeskog or, you know, when, when Rantanen comes around, he's going to command some some serious money. Uh, they're they're going to have the they're going to be right behind Toronto, if at the rate they're going. So if you could bring you know Patrick Kane in right now and maximize it and put yourself over the edge, give you know give yourself uh, make yourself a favorite in the Western Conference when the kind of Western Conference is up for grabs, do it. I I were what. What everyone seems to think is we're attacking each side or Aaron was attacking each side, like attacking Patrick Kane, that he's not good and he needs to be traded and he's awful. And then the avalanche people are like, well, you just want to give us your old garbage because he's no good anymore. Like, no, he's actually the best player on the team. 
by a long shot, but he's only getting signed for four more years and maybe three of those, they're not going to be any good. Maybe in the last year of his contract, they might be good. So what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Why not maximize that when you can get the most for him? A, a, a comment that I heard from, from Brian Burke and everyone wants to hate on Brian Burke was, but the comment I heard was you should want to trade a guy a year too early rather than a year too late. Yep. Just remember that because all these guys and you, and now you're with you, now you're with Brent Seabrook. You're stuck with this. This is what's going to happen. If Patrick Kane falls off the falls off the table in a year or two, you're going to be stuck with that $10 million and no one's going to want to take it. And then you're going to have to eat it for two more years. Like maybe now is the time when they're not going to compete. And they, there's a pretty good chance. They're not going to compete for a cup in the next four years. Get rid, you know, get something for them. You could get a lot for him, and the same with, and this would help out Colorado. So that's it. Like you said, it would help both teams. Why is everyone so upset about just some speculation on something that could possibly work on for both ways? You know, I, I don't get that. But yeah, can we talk about more uh, an extreme example of a team that didn't sell high on? Um, some of their successful players like the Red Wings. And sure, I think John yes. would have a really good perspective on this. Um, you know, guys like Pavel Dotsuk, Zetterberg, the D- Detroit Red Wings were a dynasty and they won. The Red Wings followed, Aaron, that's a great, that's a great reference. The Red Wings followed the model that the Hawks are trying to follow, which is sort of a soft rebuild um, around, you know, aging veterans who were part of the glory years um, and it didn't work. Um, you know, they they accumulated a few talented players, like sort of talented players like Dan DeKaiser, Gustav Nyquist, but it just they just didn't have the inertia anymore to really be a, a, a you know a playoff team even anymore. And that's exactly what's happening with the Hawks. And um, you know, uh, it, a lot of fans can't see that. A lot of fans think this team is better. Um, you know, than, than, than what it really is. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's really hard to get people to see it. Well, and we also saw this Taze and Kane are guys you build around. Not anymore. They're not, they're really not. You see, need to start building, bringing in this new, this new next wave, this new core. We keep saying like this, the next generational player, maybe it's Capococco, maybe it's Jack Hughes. You need to start building around that and, and then moving on from all these things that, you know, these lingering contracts, the guys are getting older. Um, you, you don't build around the, you, this is not, you, you don't build around 30 year old players. You don't, the 30 year old players become, you know, that, that push that pushes you over the edge, but you don't build a team around a guy who's 30. You don't. And, and, and that's just not wise. So, you know, no one wants to have to see, you know, Patrick Kane go somewhere else. Now, my whole thing with this was, is, is this is never going to happen because McDonough and Bowman aren't going to want to face Patrick Kane six times a year and get their brains beat in for the next four years by Patrick Kane. It's that, that's a legitimate, you know, thing. They're not going to want to see him. You know, if it, I think that if, if Patrick Kane was, you know, if they were to investigate that and it would have to be the absolute right deal for him, that they do it to the Eastern Conference. And you could speculate about Buffalo, and I'm not just saying because Buffalo's over there, but somewhere in the Eastern Conference where they don't have to see Patrick Kane six times a year. 
That's what I would think. But to, to think that it's impossible that Patrick Kane could be not with this team next year, I to me, I don't see that is you know an impossibility at all. You know, Gate, I, I thought about Buffalo, and I had a conversation with a friend, and and we were talking about the Sabers, and they're not terrible this year. Um, they do have three first round picks this draft, um, but those picks, except for the St. Louis pick, which is protected, are not going to be high first round picks. And the only reason why I picked the Avalanche for this scenario is because they have, um, you know, the firepower in their prospect pool and in their draft picks to crack the door open on, wow, that's something that we might have to consider. And that's the number one overall pick or the number two overall pick. It's just there aren't that many teams in the Eastern Conference that are bad or have high draft picks and and prospects that could deal for Kane. Um, because the only way that you really even start to listen on, on a trade for Patrick Kane is if you get elite blue chip prospects or picks. And I think the Avs have that, and I think they're close to being a contender. And I think it's kind of a match. And I know a lot of people got upset on the Avalanche side, and we even heard uh, somebody wouldn't even trade Kale McCarr for Patrick Kane, which is well, yeah, that's insanity. I mean, he, he could be, you know, and that, and that would be like the equivalent or at least close in Blackhawks land of saying trade Adam Boquist for someone of Patrick Kane's ilk kind of thing is a comparison. He and, may and be I better. That, yeah. You know, most of the stuff from the Av side was we've been building through the draft for this long, but it's like for the last four or five years, I remember, you know, I think the Avs won the conference. Um, I think four four years ago before they got really bad and they were on the rise um, and then they've kind of just been slowly coasting and they've been rebuilding for four four years five years at what point do you say we need to go for it we need to stop building and I think the Hawks did that with Hosa like you guys talked about um, but just hanging on to those prospects and those picks like yeah I mean trading away the number one overall pick and Kale McCarr like that's a uh, tall price. I mean, that's, that's a lot of value right there, but think of the value you get in return. And I just think that both parties were just holding, um, you know, their assets so close to their chest in this article that it just blew up. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think on the avalanche side, it really helps them and it really helps their market. And I know trading Patrick Kane in the division isn't ideal, but if you can come up with a team that can give the Blackhawks that jump start on their farm system and their prospect pool. I mean, wow. If you have, I mean, let's, let's think of this scenario. If you trade Patrick Kane um, and you get that deal, you have the number one overall pick. Let's say you add Jack Hughes and you add Kale McCarr to your prospect pool. So you have that, you have the Blackhawks pick this year, right? Um, you have anything else that you would trade at this deadline if you trade Patrick Kane, you might as well trade anybody else. Everybody's for sale at that point. You can get a first-round pick for Duncan Keith. You can trade Brandon Saad for some prospects and picks. Who knows what Jonathan Taves can receive back because he still has a lot of value to him. If anyone needs a leader with three Stanley Cups, you know it's it's a lot of money, but you can work around that. I mean, can you imagine if they sold off 
that this core, you know, obviously wouldn't be favorable in Chicago, but what kind of haul that would bring in this year and next year, you're looking at what the Vegas Golden Knights had, but probably better because you're going to have what much more value. And I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that, about what haul they could get if they just decided to flush it? Oh, they could flush it. I don't think they would completely flush it. I mean, they're going to they're going to someone's going to hang around like Kane or Taze would hang around. Uh, you know, Keith could go. We talked about this with Al. He said the same thing we said that Keith has value. He has a, he has a reasonable contract and uh, he could probably eat some serious minutes for a playoff team. Uh, Seabrook, you're not going to see him go unless there's a compliance buyout. So you're already really paring it down because I, I don't see them sending away both of the, you know, quote unquote faces of the franchise with Kane and Taves. One of them would hang. Uh, I don't, I, I, whichever one it is, is whichever one it is. You know, you could say, well, Trey Taves to Winnipeg because he sucks or, you know, whatever. It, it, it's really six of one, half a dozen of another really at that point because neither one of those teams, you know, neither one of those guys are going to be, you're not going to see the Stanley Cup. Like, they're going to, their contracts are going to be up. You, you know, it, it, Do the meatballs all expect that, you know, they're going to sign some $1 million deal to play in perpetuity? for the Blackhawks because hometown quote unquote hometown discount. I mean, th- this is insanity that you would not get. I mean, if you were playing this in a video game and you had no emotional ties to these guys, you'd be like, God, we got to get rid of these salaries. I can't get any new players. Like it, it only, it, it makes sense. Why does making sense hurt people so much? I don't get this. It does. It, it, it's, just so strange to me that uh and then everyone claims that they're you know they're an expert now of course yeah oh you could say we claim we're experts but i guarantee you we we watch and pay attention to a lot more what's going on this team than than the average fan does who just looks at their twitter feed every once in a while and uh you know maybe watches a, a game here or there like we're trying to dig deeper we're, we're we're putting in a lot of work for this stuff so we know a couple of things and we've seen a couple of things. So it's like, maybe you just want to be like, oh, really? Uh, I never, never even thought of it that way. Or, oh, okay, I could get that. But, you know, like, it, I didn't necessarily agree with, the, you know, where the, the destination was. But I said, I, I get the sentiment makes sense. And this is why I don't, you know, I think it should be an Eastern, or I think it would be an Eastern Conference or whatever. But that, like, doesn't take away from the whole theme of the article. That, you know... Before the right deal, the Blackhawks might want to maximize, you know, the potential return by investigating it. And that was it. That was basically it. So, but as it is, you know, as goes in this social media world, people don't read articles. Uh, people just read the headlines and then get outraged. And I've been guilty of it. So, you know, I, I, I will admit I've definitely been guilty of it before. And then I go read the article and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you screwed, you screwed around with my head on that. That was a clickbait. And we've seen a lot of that too. Oh, it's just clickbait. It's just, Oh, geez. Yeah. The the thing that kind of got me today was the title of the article was could the Colorado avalanche trade for Patrick Kane. And that set people off thinking that I was, um, you know, saying this needs to be the deal. These two teams, I don't know. I, I think a lot of Avs fans thought that we were dumping Patrick Kane on them. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this could happen. I mean, it could, but I don't think it will happen just because of the nature of the general managers is Sackick's been really conservative. And I don't think with Bowman's track record and his plan that this would kind of fit the move. Um, I think if anything, this, if the Blackhawks wiped the front office and there was a different general manager in there, I think then you might be talking, but yeah, I mean, the whole idea was let's look at this thing, be smart about it and say, Hey, what is our direction? Are we close to winning the Stanley cup? If we're not close, how can we maximize value? And some, some fans on Twitter um, did agree and they say, Hey, you know what? Maybe this is something we should think about. Um, it would be nice to have a top prospect like number one pick um, and another young defenseman that's different. And we didn't talk about that. Kale McCarr is is offensively ta- talented, but he's you know six foot, probably two hundred pounds. I might be wrong on that. Uh, maybe like one eighty, but he's a bigger defenseman um, who also has some talent. But he's not the same as Yoki Haru or Mitchell or Boquist. So that would give a lot of flexibility for the Hawks to really start dealing those defensemen for um, other forward depth. But, yeah, today, today was definitely a tough day. <laughs> um, <laughs> we my, got my your Twitter back. was blowing up, and I was trying to get into a lot of the comments, but I couldn't really keep up. And I know that you helped out a lot on Facebook kind of talking to people there. But, you know, we're I think we're all thankful that people – chimed in and voiced their opinion even though it might have been different than ours you know we just we like the conversation and um you know you know aaron you you put an article out there that was thought-provoking and and posed a hypothetical scenario that unfortunately some people just aren't prepared to handle and so they want to shoot the messenger um some there were some people who thought it was a it was you know an interesting discussion and that's all it was you know um it's just so funny. I mean, some of the responses, um, you know, and, and you know that <laughs> the, the most recent is one that that alleges that everybody at the rink wants to trade Kane, which is not true. There's not one person at the rink who wants to trade Kane. You wrote an article that talked about a hypothetical scenario where trade where Kane might be traded, um, and it's you know sometimes. Hawk Twitter just goes completely off the rails, and this is a case where it does. But you know what, Aaron? Like I said to you, I mean, you always want to be the guy who writes the articles that are thought-provoking and not necessarily, you know, popular with with the mob mentality, and uh, which is, you know, the 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 fanboy fluff that all the idiots write. So, congratulations to you. It, you know, you write stuff like that. It's not always going to be popular. It's not always going to be well received, and you're going to get some shots for it. But at the end of the day. You're you're taking a point of view that takes some guts to write, and um, I salute you for it. Well, instead, you could be a big wimp, and you could write about you know puppies and and all that other garbage and fluff, and how Eric Gustafson's so wonderful, and he's the next Norris Trophy winner, and uh, how you were in first on Calendelia, you fucking jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you you could kiss my ass. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to wax poetic on that. No, I wouldn't call that waxing poetic. No. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, whatever. We we're we're going to have to fire up the jabroni of the week again, but the jabroni would be the same every week. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. People would get bored, you know. So yeah, anyway. I can't even. You know what? 
talk about it. Jabronis like that make me like Laz. So. <laughs> oh, y'all need to take a hit of this, Jeffrey. It'll calm you down. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've. I think we've, the Jabronis out of the closet. Yeah, I, I, we got a couple questions. Let's try to get into them. Uh, we went on, we're going a little long here, but um, yeah. let's get into them anyway, and Aaron can jump in too. Uh, ideally, Ken Kallenbach, ideally defensive, our defense in 2022 is Bokvist and Mitchell, uh, Bodan and Yokiharu, uh, Dahlman slash, or Dahlstrom, Dahlman, Dahlstrom slash Hillman in uh, Murphy. Uh, okay. Likely at least one of them doesn't reach expectations. How many fall short? Which ones? I am not on the Bodan um, boat. I hear all these good things about him. And sure, he puts up some decent numbers where he's at in junior. I don't know that I'm a big Bodan guy. I don't have anything against him. I just get I, I get a feeling. And when I get a feeling, I, I go with it. You know, I, I got a feeling with Anton Forsberg that I didn't like him. There's just something about him I didn't like. And uh, as it turns out, it looks like I may have been right. But that doesn't mean I'm right on Bodan. Uh, I just... I think out of that group, uh, maybe Bodin isn't the one that sticks around. Uh, you know, Bolkvist is a, a high-end talent. Mitchell, everything looks good. Uh, from you know, we we liked him in camp two years ago, right? Right, Aaron. Yep. And uh, you know, Yoki Haro, he looks like a you know good. He's not you know a Bolkvist type, but he, you know he could be like that you know Seabrook light type possibly. Um, and who knows from under there? I mean. Murphy, that was the one thing that I kind of found where I was like, oh, you got to get rid of Murphy. You got to get rid of any, like, why are we getting rid of the younger, like, defenseman who has a little bit of physicality in his game? Why would that be the defenseman they got to get rid of? Like, why wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to keep him? Uh, that, that didn't make any sense, but what do you guys think? Uh, I don't think that's going to be the defense in, in two years. I think some of those guys are going to be there, but I, I have a feeling that there's probably going to be a name or two on there. That's not currently in the organization. Um, and a neighbor to a name or two in that list who will no longer be with the organization. That's just kind of how it always works. And I, I, I still think that, that, you know, they need at least one top four defenseman or top four defenseman prospect. Who's not currently in, in the organization who is, you know, Phil's that Nicholas Jalmerson, young Brent Seabrook, because I don't think they have really a young Brent Seabrook. I don't I don't think Yoki Haru is that kind of player, but he's, he's going to be a really good player. He's just he's just not as that physical presence that Seabrook, you know, is and especially was when he was younger. And uh, um, he's a really good player, though. I, I like him a lot, actually. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I would say five out of five out of seven is accurate. Um, but, uh, you know, or maybe four out of seven, because I'm not sold on Bodin either, because his skating is not really that great. And you can get by with that in junior or even in the AHL. But, you know, it's it can be a problem in the NHL where, where stuff like that tends to get exposed, especially in a defenseman. Aaron? Um, I think one name that might be be there still uh, could be Dennis Gilbert. Um, we don't really have a player like him that could be a, a, a solid four, five, six guy um, who's just stay at home, big, doesn't score a lot of points, but has good plus minus. Um, you know, I I had a love affair with Stephen Johns, and I was really upset when he went in the Patrick Sharp deal to Dallas. 
reading his numbers, um, you know, last year, 75 games, 15 points plus 10. I mean, these are the kind of guys we need. We, we can't go on the road to New Jersey and score five goals on the road and lose what eight or nine to five. Eight. That's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, we, we need guys that are, are hockey players. We need tough guys to clear the net, block pucks, and get the puck to the forward so they can score goals. Yep. That's it. That's that's yep. the secret sauce right there. And I don't need a defenseman that scores fifty points. I just I don't care. It's not what you're getting paid well, for. You're getting paid you to do other stuff too. Then yeah, great, but yeah. Yeah, you need a variety. You can't have all of the same player in right. any position. You need right. some variety. You need a little bit. You know, bright is a slice of life, right? Is that what they say? And Blackhawks style now is to be a quick, you know, hybrid type team where the defense jumps in a lot. That means the forward group has to be as committed to defense as the defensemen are. And they're just not right. You know, defense Eric Gustafson jumps in on a play and that leaves Dominic Cahoon to play defense. That guy's not blocking pucks. Like it's just kind of a flawed system right now. So I think if to answer your question, I think Mitchell is definitely going to be a Blackhawk for a long time. Um, I don't know how Connor Murphy, it just seems like he's here and he's on the trading block next week. Uh, who else? Yoki Haru, um, I think he's just still developing. I'm sure he'll probably still be here and some of the Boquist, some of the other guys. But, yeah, we, we just got to focus so much more on, on defense and toughness uh, and not necessarily fighting, but – just being tough on the puck. I mean, Connor Murphy does that already, but I don't think one guy can create a culture of you're not going to score on us. And that's something we really need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if they do what we had hoped with the, they could pick up some decent defensemen in, you know, through trade or whatever, uh, that kind of gives a little bit of variety to that defense, a little bit of more of the physical side, because possibly, you know, Dahlstrom is what he is. You you've seen his he's slow of foot and uh he may not be that, you know, long term he may be the next, you know, what uh oh god, what's the guy that's in Carolina or was in Carolina? Class oh, Dahlstrom. Dahl, yeah, class Dahlbeck. Dahlbeck? He's probably better than Dahlbeck. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm willing to say that he is, but yeah. I, again, I he's probably never gonna be more than a third pairing guy and yeah. and uh, he's I'm not sure his mobility is all that great either. Um, I think that's been the knock on him. And uh, but you know, um, again, you know, it just the the defense is a huge question mark for this organization. It really is. And and you know, much has been made of all these guys. You know, these young guys. And and I know Aaron, you're a big fan of Ian Mitchell. And and um, um, I, you know, personally, I think Bokvist is is almost a can't miss player. I think the only question about him is if if he can sort of keep his brains unscrambled. Cause he's had a couple of concussions, but other than that, I think he's going to be phenomenal. But there, after that, it starts to get kind of iffy. I mean, I don't think Bodan is a sure thing. I don't think that um, Chris is necessarily a sure thing. I, you know, and um, a lot of those guys have, you know, sort of play a similar game and have a similar profile. And um, you know, Murphy, you know, he's, I, I don't know. I, th- I like Murphy. I think he's okay, but I, I don't think he's a special player. You know, um, I don't think Dahlstrom's a special player and I feel like they need one or two more defensemen who are really, you know, uh, difference makers and are going to be difference makers in the NHL and not just as offensive defensemen. They need th- those guys who are going to really make a difference defending. 
which they don't really have right now. No, and their goalies, and, and I mentioned this with the stats, like they give up the second most shots in the entire league. Yep. And it can't be go- like that going forward. If you have a bunch of miniature guys out there who don't block shots, who are more right. on the offensive side, they're smaller players, like generally those guys don't block a lot of shots. Occasionally they do, but generally they don't. We're, who's going to, who's going to, I mean, the Blackhawks are not going to win games 6-5, uh, you know, 8-7. Like, you can't do that. You could do it in the regular season, but good luck in the playoffs trying to do that. You're just going to get slaughtered. Like, that's just, if, if you know hockey, you know that that's not how it's played in the playoffs. Like, games are tight. You got to block shots. You got to sacrifice. Like, these guys are not those, t- most of those guys are not the type of player, which is not the end of the world. You know, Patrick Kane is not LC cord. Like, that doesn't mean he's bad. They all have their place. You just can't have a bunch of guys that do the same damn thing. And then uh, and you got one or one or two guys who do something else. Like, you got to spread it out a little bit. So I, I really honestly think they're going to use something like Bodan or something like that is trade, trade chip. Um, you know, I know you don't want to hear this, uh, Aaron, but, you know, they could do the same with Mitchell eventually. Uh, and that's not to say he's not a good player, but they could do that. You know, if, if that's what, you know, a team wants, if Ian Mitchell comes in looking better than Bodin and they want Mitchell, like Stan might be like, oh, well, we've, we've got Bolquist. Uh, maybe we can, you know, let any Ian Mitchell go, but for a good return. So, right. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to look back at last year's draft and, and realize how many of these types of players that we passed up on like i know john was really high on noah dobson evan bouchard and even later in the drafts the rangers took Kandre miller at wisconsin and in the early first or early second round even matthias samuelson who went to western michigan i got to see him play uh when they came to visit denver and uh he looks he's a big defenseman um decent speed and just plays a really low risk game i mean he just reminds me a lot of um, Ekholm and just a big, big guy. Great first pass. Um, doesn't let you stand in front of the net. And I think a lot of those players were like that. And, and we just, just chose on drafting smaller defensemen. And I, I just wonder if we're going to regret that. Well, we, John and I were both big on, on Dobson. Yeah. yeah, I was I was higher on Dobson than I was on Bouchard. Um, yeah. But you know, it's again, it's all it's all a little bit of a crapshoot when you draft these guys because they're so young, you know. And um, but I mean, Dobson just seemed to seem to have everything right, you know, the size, the skating, the ability, the competitiveness. Um, and uh, but I mean, they they got the guy that they had graded higher than him, and and Bowman's a big believer in, you know. Uh, driving possession up the ice um, and, uh, you know, keeping the te- you know, the other team pinned in their end. It's some of the best defense. And there's, there's a, a strong measure of truth to that, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Next question. Uh, there are actually two of them in a row, Jakey Davis and Johnny Utah, our favorite, uh, our Tammy Pinner and apologist. Um, basically it's both. Uh, are you, are you concerned with Patrick Kane's minutes, the amount of minutes he's playing in a game? He put like 28 last game. Uh, are you worried about burning him out or worse yet, risking injury? Uh, I, I hate to seem callous, but no, I'm not. Why should they be? Why does it matter? I mean, if Patrick Kane gets hurt, sure, throw him on long-term injured reserve. 
or injured reserve or whatever. And then that's that. Like, it's not risking your chance at making the cup probably in the next three years. So it's like, uh, why? Maybe he should be concerned and his agent should be concerned. I'm not concerned about it. Do what you, you know, if you want to use them, if you want to play them every shift, play them every shift. Who cares at this point in time? You know, that's kind of the way I feel about it. What do you think? Are you asking me or, or uh, Aaron? Either one. <laughs> Aaron, why don't you jump in on that one, buddy? Uh, Patrick Kane likes playing hockey. He's never going to complain about being double shifted. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we shouldn't be concerned. I don't think. I think it's, you know, if the Blackhawks were, say, you know, a, a playoff, a serious playoff contender and maybe, you know, could possibly go over the hump, then maybe I would say, yeah. You, you might want to save them up for the playoffs. But now, what are you saving them for? You're not saving them for anything. Play them. Go ahead, play them. You know? I mean, unless you, like, really want to literally tank and you want to admit it and you want to sit them so that they lose. But that's not going to happen. So, just, you know, play him. He, he's got him. You have him at your disposal. You're paying him money. Just play him as much as he wants to play. It's kind of the way I, I look at it. So, anyway. Uh, do you guys think Stan Bowman will ever get away from drafting Smurfs? This team is Sherman soft and gets pushed away, uh, pushed around way too much. Uh, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, we don't need to get back into that. I don't. But you know what? I I, I don't. I don't know what it is. He, uh, I, at some point, I mean, he's. It's almost like he's making a bet that they're going to change the rules of hockey and just take physicality out of it because he, you know, it's almost like if he's got to choose between a great player, six foot three and a great player is five foot eight, he's going to take the five foot eight player. And, um, I, I, it's, it's weird. It's all, I can't, I can't quite figure it out. And, 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 uh, I do, you know, you could see the vision he has, which I talked about a minute ago, you know, that, you know, speed and transition and, and driving possession up the ice. I totally get it. But at the same time, it's still a physical sport and there's still a lot of important work that's done in terms of keeping the puck out of your own net and things that it takes to do that. And, uh, I don't know. Um, because a lot of these, a lot of these players that he's drafted, these smaller players, they don't pan out, you know, um, we talked about it last week, Schmaltz and Tara Vine and then, you know, Hartman's not really tiny, but, um, all three of those guys, first round picks, all three of them gone. You know, and two of them gone at least because they really didn't want to play a physical style of hockey in Chicago. So, you know, I don't know. Well, good you, question. You brought up the, the GM thing before, uh, Aaron, and the, the 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 kind of thing that uh, that I thought was Mark Hunter would be great because he works so well with young players and stuff. That's what that's the G, kind of GM I'd like to see. You know, in a rebuild, but uh, you know, the chance that we're going to get something like that is uh, slim to none. Uh, Jake pro way back from the pocket hassle days. Um, the original super fan. Uh, why do we not see more teams picking up players on waivers? It seems we hold our breath for a lot for no reason. Well, they're first of all, the players are on the waivers for a reason. <laughs> like, you know, they're undesirable to the team. They, they, they don't care if they're put at risk to be taken off of waivers. So there's a reason why, um, Goalies are taken, you know, there were a lot of goalies taken this year because people needed goalies. Well, if people, if there was a run and people needed centers and Artem Anisimov was on waivers, maybe a team would take a flyer on that. But there are restrictions as well. Like, 
uh, if you get, you know, if you pick, if you claim a player on waivers, there's a certain time period, they have to stay in the NHL. So if you get one of those tweener players that you want to use for, uh, you know, a week, uh, then you may have to leave them on your roster for four more weeks or whatever. I think it's a month that they have to stay on the NHL roster before you can send them down. But then you got to put them through waivers again and you can risk losing them then. I mean, it's just all, it, it, it is what it is. You guys got anything other on the waiver thing? Not for me. No. Okay. Uh, Aaron Lewis, uh, is this new Slater an actual player uh, moving forward or place filler? I, uh, my honest opinion, I thought they were just going to send him down. I thought they were going to put him through waivers and send him down. I think it was. I thought they were just basically trying to unload uh, Rudis' contract, and uh, I, I don't know that they necessarily cared what they got back. They just wanted to get rid of him. Um, but they end up having to take a contract back that uh, Tampa Bay didn't want to throw through waivers. Uh, I thought the Blackhawks may just say, hey, do the same thing they did with Jason Garrison. Throw him, try and throw him through waivers. If someone takes him, someone takes him. But if, if not, send him down to Rockford. He could be death down there. Uh, his contract's up after the year. I don't know. If they're going to give him a heavy dose of ice time to see what they got in him and they want to um, use him next year, uh, maybe they do offer him a contract because he's a UFA, I think, not an RFA. So, uh, like, basically, uh, they would just have to, uh, you know, sign him to a, a regular contract, which is going to probably be under a million dollars. He was a former first-round draft pick. It's taken him this long, in like 2012, I think. It's taken him this long to get up to the NHL. Something's up. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think so, either way, he he could be well, like Anthony Duclair, you know. So what were you saying now? I was saying it's just I thought it was just a salary dump. I mean, we kind of just signed Ruda, and I don't I don't know. I think it was just I don't think they were trying to trade for him. I think it was just getting Ruda out. Yeah, he and I think, talked uh, to his agent and was like, "Just get me out of Rockford right now." Yeah, for sure. That's kind of what I thought it was. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think he's, I wouldn't plan on anything from him. Uh, if he goes out there and plays, maybe we'll see something, but I would not expect much out of the guy to be honest with you. So don't get too, don't go out and buy your Slater cuckoo Jersey or anything like that, because, uh, you may regret it. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> John, <laughs> I don't think you have anything more to say about cuckoo. Do you? I have nothing. I have nothing further to say about Cuckoo at this time. However, I reserve the right to speak more on Cuckoo at a later date. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps it up. Aaron, you got anything else you want to you want to bring up before we uh, I get into my final countdown? Uh, no. Just thank you guys for having me on. It, it was a fun day, and uh, I'm glad we stirred up some conversation with some people. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those days. All right. Well, uh, you can find all of our wonderful comprehensive content, including Aaron's illustrious piece, uh, over at www.thedashrink.com. You can also find a piece that Ray and I threw together on Matteo Petronero. I think that's how you say it. Petronero. He's the captain of the Chicago Steel, a kind of under-the-radar kind of guy, kind of gets overshadowed by some of the bigger, uh, flashier names and stuff, but uh, a good, solid 2-8 defenseman. Uh, has a little bit of an offensive flair to him, uh, but uh, you guys can go out to the you know the the ice rink out here in Geneva and you can see him play. He's a really good player. Um, check him out, but check out the article as well. Um, 
You can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official. Uh, the rink yes is at the rink yes. I'm at puck and hostel. John, you are at Jekyll J A E C K E L. Aaron, you are at late in the Goldie. When you want to send all your angry tweets to Aaron. <laughs> yep. But don't do that. Honestly, I'm I kid. I kid. But uh, don't harass poor Aaron just because you wanted to open up a little bit of dialogue. He had good intentions. That's what I want to say. He had good intentions and some and they and I don't know that they were necessarily uh, recognized. So <clears throat> uh, if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate, and review us. I'll read them on the air if they're good or bad. I don't care, whatever. Um, at least if they're seriously, if they're bad, make them interesting, you know, not just not just F gatekeeper. Like, I mean, I get that every single day. So, you know, all knowing people on Twitter. So anyway, get over there, rate and review us. It really helps us out and helps us move up the rankings. We get more listens. That's really what's important that we get our voice out there. If you like to listen to us, um, Help us get out there a little more. And that's what you can do to help us out. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I do would like to. I know I'm, I know John's going to say this as well, but uh, I want to shout out to uh, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use discount code the rink. You can get your rink wear if you want to support us that way. That's also very nice. We very much appreciate that. Um, we're going to be hitting the, uh, you know, the, the final John's great uh trade deadline content is going to be coming out real soon. So that's going to be good. Um, well, don't let's not set the bar too high. Um, <laughs> the, old, the old rumor mill has been kind of quiet this year, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm asking around and, and maybe we'll have some information over the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and get some other people on. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I got one in mind. We'll see if he, he's available. Uh, we're going to try and have more guests on for you. So uh, we're going to give you a little bit of variety. Not just me and John being being angry and uh, being negative. Yeah, being, we're, we're big. We're, we're worse downers than Oxycontin or whatever the fuck that that garbage was. We're not always we're, we're, we want this team to be good. Like, that's what the ultimate goal is here. We want the team to be good. We want them to build it up appropriately, you know, instead of just being the you flyers know, who sit in the so middle of the pack. So many of these comments are not about actually about what we're saying. It's it's something else. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it's it's just an issue that the responder has, and uh, it is what it is. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's it for plug, John. You got any other plugs you want to do, or you got it? Uh, oh. I want to say thanks again to Al for coming on. Um, yeah, Al and, is awesome. Uh, you know, he's always he's always the best, and um, you know, we're going to keep on, uh, we're going to keep on bringing on the good guests. We, uh, we got a commitment from, uh, from uh, former NHL tough guy, John Scott and his people. We're just trying to sort of find the time to get that done. And, uh, we got a whole long list of other people we plan on bringing on. We've got commitments from, and, uh, so we're going to keep, we're just going to keep doing what we do. And, yeah. uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and and feel free if you guys like if there's a guest that you guys think we, we would be you know throw it out there you know you never know what can happen if you unless you ask so you know so we'll, we'll see what happens with that but I, I do want to echo what you said about Al and I, he probably thinks I'm nuts because I I'm always referring to him as Uncle Al but um he's like you know there's Bob McKenzie I call him Uncle Bob and I and Al I call him Uncle Al because they're like your uncle that always imparts that wisdom on you. 
And that's yeah. what they, that's what it always feels like to me. It's like, you just want to sit down sit, you, and I know this is a weird, weird, weird thing to, to kind of say, but it's like, you don't want to sit on his lap. You want him to tell you stories kind of thing, you know, that's kind of weird, <laughs> but he is, he's like, your. He's like your you uncle. You can fit in his lap. I can't fit in his lap. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm miniature, and and I know William J. Lapetamine is gonna uh, now come up with a Photoshop that. <laughs> That's gonna be a Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. it's sure. it's coming. But see, I can take it, so I appreciate it. I appreciate That's that. That's true. You have you have thick skin, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, like a reptile. <laughs> thick so anyway, skin and cold blood, baby. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's basically right? it. And a black heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's all good. Yeah, well, you know. As uh, as uh, Steve Conrad says. We need some kind of energy, whether it's a, shit, a shift, a good shift, a shot. <laughs> Aaron, you got any last plugs? Anything you want to uh, throw out there? Um, I just want to thank all the Patrick Kane fanboys for the conversations. <laughs> and the jabronis. Especially Talking Hawks, my boy John. Yeah. Yeah, John and Jacob are awesome. I like John and Jacob. They're nice guys. They're real super nice guys. And and those guys, they're like super fans. But they, they admit it. They're blatant about it. Like, that's fine. That's fine. You know, they understand where they're what they are. And I appreciate that about them. They're good guys. Uh, I really enjoyed hanging out with them. Uh, I'm hoping they get out to Vegas. Actually, Vegas at some time. So we can all get the, get the band back together again. For sure. Yeah. But anyway. So um, that's it for plugs. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the